Yo, what's happening? Welcome back to the 182 News Podcast. This is your host, Poppin' Curbs, and I really appreciate you making me a part of your day. Here we are, October 2020. I cannot believe this fucked up year is almost over. Uh, I guess it feels like it went quick. I don't know. I hope everybody has remained safe, and I appreciate you taking time to tune in. Today, we have another very special guest. We have Rob Perlman. So Rob made the very first Blink-182 website. He was what they call the Web Master, which we both find funny all these years later. That title is just crazy. The motherfucking Web Master. It's super sick to hear really how the hell you get involved with making Blink's first website at the time he was very close with the band he considered mark one of his best friends throughout his time with the band he was there for the launch of dude ranch he shares some pure gold in here about the very first josie music video the original that they didn't end up going with he was in the damn it music video so he takes us on scene that day what it was like uh, he was very close with scott remained close with scott even after scott's departure he shares some stuff in there that i had not heard before which is insane Talks about some Dude Ranch demos that Mark doesn't even think uh, exist, which is wild. So I really hope you enjoy this conversation. Uh, just like Davy Jones, Rob stumbled across the Blink-182 online forums when he was feeling nostalgic a couple years back. He came on there, shared some of these stories that you're going to hear today, shared some photos. And I'm just so stoked to bring this to you all. You know, I'm so happy to bring out these rad conversations about the band, the history of the band, uh, just insane insight that you don't get anywhere else. And I hope you all enjoy it as much as I enjoy just talking to these people. Uh, throughout the next couple of weeks, we're going to be sharing some insane photos that Rob sent me uh, throughout his time working with the band. I'm going to be sharing those on the at Blink182 online, Twitter and Instagram. Make sure you follow those. If you want to follow me, I am at Poppin' Curbs on Twitter and Instagram. Would love to hear from you. In the meantime, I'm not going to waste too much time here. We're going to jump straight into this. It's a longer one. Sit back and relax. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, here is the interview with Rob Perlman, the motherfucking webmaster for Blink-182. All right, ladies and gentlemen, now joining us on the 182 News Podcast, very special guest, Rob Perlman. He was the webmaster for Blink-182's very first website. Rob, what's up, dude? How you doing, man? Isn't that like the most ridiculous word, by the way, webmaster? I'm so glad we don't <laughs> say that anymore. It's, it's like so full of himself. Yeah, it really is. I'm like trying to think, what are the responsibilities of a webmaster? Well, you're the master of the website. Master. It's so <laughs> ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, I, I appreciate you taking time to hop on. I know you, you joined the boards, uh, I don't know, maybe a year ago or so. You popped in. You corrected some of the dates on the timeline. You had a nice little calendar to show us some of the dates, you'd, uh, shows you had been to and stuff like that. So uh, I'm glad I, we got in touch. It's been a long time coming. I want to start. You know, I don't know a ton about your background, so I'm very curious, you know, where you're from. Uh, how did you end up becoming the webmaster for Blink-182? Kind of give us a brief background and lead us up to that. Absolutely. So um, I moved down. I mean, I was 
So I've moved a lot when I was a kid, but moved down from L.A. to San Diego right before high school. And right around that time, I was like really into K-Rock in L.A. and getting into alternative music. And then uh, moved down to San Diego and started getting into the local band scene. Um, I started putting up flyers at Soma. Um, I'm sure everybody knows Soma by now, where Blink kind of came up. So yeah. I don't even know how that happened. I got in touch with somebody, and they're like, they're looking for somebody to put up flyers around the high schools. So I started putting up flyers. I don't remember. I was like 14, 15, putting up flyers. And every weekend, I would just have a free pass at Soma backstage, hanging out. And I mostly just hang out with the guy, my boss that was like working there, the guy that ran basically the back of Soma. And meet everybody like i met every band backstage all the time like i remember corn invited me onto their tour bus to oh, show shit. me like their first music video and looking back it seems super weird that i was like 15 years old and corn's like hey you want to come watch our video and i'm like <laughs> sure corn let's do it that was that was a weird one um but yeah like i met green day and all these bands and you know I don't know. It wasn't really that big of a deal to me. Obviously, they're all great musicians, but they're all just people, you know. They're all people doing a job. So, yeah, it was it was always just that's how we spent our weekends hanging out at Soma. And uh, I remember I I hated Blink, and it was never for any reason that had to do with their music. I never listened to them, but all the jocks at my high school loved them. Uh, <laughs> I went to RB High, which is the same high school that Mark went to. He was a few years older than me. And I just, I was like, oh, I hate that band so much. I don't know anything about him, but I'm like, I'm just going to hate him. And then I used to see Mark backstage at shows all the time. He was like always coming to shows to like see local bands. And we'd see each other in the hallways and kind of like give each other a head nod. What's up? And I'm like, God damn it, it sucks. Because he's like kind of a nice guy, but like his band sucks. Even though I've, I've never heard him. Like they had Cheshire <laughs> Cat out. And I'm like, I heard a few songs, but never really knew any of their stuff. Um but, like, he was super nice, and so we'd just, like, say what up at shows and end up at the same concerts all the time. Um, so, anyway, um, back then we were all watching 120 Minutes on MTV. That was our chance to see really cool music videos with Matt Pinfield. Like, um, and I used to tape them on my VCR, and then I would copy from one tape to another just the, the videos I liked. So I had this video of, like, second generation of these cool music videos that nobody's ever seen. And I started passing it on to my friends. Everybody started borrowing it from me. And it was such a cool tape that everybody's like, you should just like make this. And I was like, hmm, how do I do that? So my friend's like, yeah, put like a record label name. I'll do the I'll do the graphics and we'll like make a video. So I was like, okay. So I called all these record labels. I was like 16 years old. And I was like, hey, Epitaph, I want to do uh, this video comp. Um, can I have the descendants? And they're like, sure. They didn't know I was 16 years old. So I'm making all these deals, signing contracts. Um, I put out this video comp, and one of the videos I got was Blink-22 M&M's. Um, I think it was M&M's. Yeah. Um, yeah, I saw Mark, and I was like, hey, Mark, you want to be on this video comp? And he's like, sure. I was like, cool. So he gave me the manager's phone number. I got the video. So that video comes out, and uh, that started my record label career. And my the guy who did the graphic design, my friend Dave Klinker, he's like, we did this awesome project, and then we made – a website to advertise this video before that was like really a thing and yeah. i was big on the i was big on the computer side and he was big on the graphic side and the two of us like worked really well together and he's like why don't we do a website for a band and i'm like oh okay that's a cool idea who and he's like well you know blink they're getting like pretty big why don't you ask them i'm like yeah okay so i was at one of the shows and this is where like i was trying to figure out the timeline i have no idea I thought it was before, but apparently it was after. Anyway, I went up to Mark at a show, and I was giving him copies of the videotape because I was like, here's a few copies for you guys. And I'm like, do you guys want a website? And he's like, what's that? And I'm like, <laughs> you know on the commercial on TV, and it's like 
W, I'm sorry, HTTP colon slash slash www.yahoo.com. And he's like, oh, yeah, I think I've seen that. I'm like, yeah, that's that's a website. Like, you should have one. And he's like, do we need one? And I was like, every band is going to have a website eventually. Yeah, you need one. He's like, okay. And it was just that easy, as easy as getting them on the video. He put me in touch with Rick DeVoe and called him up and told him what I needed. And, you know, we made it happen. And that was that. It was just like. I kind of strong arm my way into it, but I, I honestly I have my buddy Dave to thank because it was his like idea to put the record label on the video comp. It was his idea to ask Blink. I give him full credit, and that started the whole thing off. Wow. So what year was this for reference? Cheshire was out, so was this like ninety six, ninety seven, or something? This is ninety six. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, and at this point, like we had the Dude Ranch demos that were out that like the band doesn't even know exists. That was like traded around, and that was when I was starting to be like, "Oh, this band's actually like pretty good." And <laughs> going back, like Ch- Cheshire Cat, I still like, I'm not a fan. I like Touchdown Boy, I like Eminem's, and that's like kind of it. Yeah. Um, but like, I just don't think they were like ready yet. You know, it was yeah, like they were finding their way. But Dude Ranch, all these demos were were picking passed around before they like record the album, and I was like, "Wow, this is they have something here. Like this is this could be something." You know, we were rocking out to it all the time before they even recorded the record. So that was like, that was late 96. Um, I want to say it was 97 by the time I asked Mark. And I think, I think what happened, so Dave and I used to drive up to any show within like a two hour radius of San Diego where any of the bands, I had 35 bands on this video comp. And I would ask the bands if I could come up and set like a merch booth up, up to sell the, the videos. And so all these Blink shows and Unwritten Law shows and like, Voodoo Glow Skulls, and I don't even remember who else was on this video. All these bands were like, yeah, come set up a merch booth. And so I'd go to all these, like, underground shows in, like, Huntington Beach and Orange County and L.A. Anywhere there was a show, we just, like, went. So there's, like, Blink shows that I don't even know where. They don't exist anywhere. I've talked to Dave about them. I'm like, do you remember that show where we went up late and, like, it was, like, a low ceiling and this? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, where was that? He's like, I don't know. No clue. we saw all these like tiny little shows that like you know are super nostalgic you know hundred yeah. kids you know rocking out to blink that are just super fans really early on so yeah uh, I don't know exactly where it happened I think the show that I asked them was um, Bear Mountain uh, it was on Mark's birthday in ninety seven March fifteenth nineteen ninety seven wow and that was the show that was the show where I don't even know why I ended up there I want to say that mark was like hey are you gonna come up to this show and i'm like no there's no way to sell merch on like a at bear mountain and he's like well just come up and hang out and i think i came up and that's why i had a camera and i took i had like all access so i took pictures from on the stage from the front of the crowd like i had i had like a just like shitty camera and i had no idea what i was doing but i took all these like pictures of blink i think that's what you saw i got scanned in and put it and shared with the board for these yeah. pictures from, from 97 yeah, that's killer, man. So what do you remember about, like, Blink's fan base at these shows? I mean, did they have, like, a decent little loyal following by that point? I mean, in San Diego, for sure. I mean, San Diego, by that point, they were already, like, you know, playing the main stage of Soma. And uh, Dave's band was called Carter Peace Mission. They opened up for Blink in November of 96. Um, so they played on the main stage. It was a, you know, sold-out show, which is, like, 1,000, 1,500 people. Um, out of town... Most of the time it was pretty big, but there was some really weird ones. Like I said, that one where there's like the like I swear we were walking in and the like ceiling was like here, and there was like 200 kids, and I I think Dave and I got there late and we like shoved our way in. I don't even know how we got in because it was sold out, and we like shoved our way in and got up front, and it was just I mean there was it was weird because they it felt like Blink would just play any show anytime anywhere in those years, even though they were already like past that point. 
They were like, yeah. oh, you got this like warehouse that holds 100 kids? We'll play it on Thursday. <laughs> it was it. so weird. Yeah. Do you have clips of that video compilation still, by the way, or do you have it? I have it still. Actually, I lost it and didn't have one. And then on a trip back to San Diego, one of my friends was like, I still have a sealed copy. And I'm like, how do you have that? And I don't have that. And he gave it to me. So I have the sealed, uh, it's called Out of the Bin. Uh, we sold uh, about 4,000 copies in all. I got picked up. Cargo did distributed me, which is the same uh, label that uh, Cheshire Cat was on. Yeah. So I worked with them, and we they they helped me like you know get into record stores. This is like you know pre DVD. Yeah. Uh, and my idea was copied by uh, Cinema Beer Nuts and Cinema Beer Belly and all these like DVD compilations. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be cool. I don't know if you have if you've made a digital version of that, but if I would like to see this little clip of Mark you got backstage. Oh, there's no clip. No, the, the, that was like the, the the video was just the music videos, and then like oh, okay. I was giving it to him backstage. Okay, I gotcha. So it's yeah. just the Eminem's video. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, and for reference, uh, in regards to Soma, so Davy Jones, who you've kind of spoken with him on the boards, you guys think that you were probably in the same room several oh, times, 100%. but hundred percent, but really don't remember each other too much from back then, which is just crazy. But uh, he mentioned that there were three different Somas, one, two, and three. So for reference, right. which Soma were you at? So this is Soma two. Soma one was downtown San Diego on Union Street. Um, and then I don't know what happened, why that one closed. And then Soma two opened up, which is where, like, that's the real Soma. Anytime you talk about Soma, it's version two, basically, in my mind. There's Soma version three now. Um, it's a totally, I mean, obviously same name, same people, but it's a totally different venue. They're doing like, um, you know, the rap metal, whatever, whatever the kids are listening to these days. I don't even know. I don't even know what's going on over there, but it's become kind of a, a dirtier club. Obviously it was probably dirty when we were kids too, but yeah. it was more like pop punk and, you know, had a little bit more notoriety back in the day. Yeah. Okay. So you asked Mark if they need a website. Uh, Mark's like, yeah, I guess so. He puts you in touch with Rick DeVoe. Uh, hope, uh, Rick's supposed to come on the pod at some point. I can't wait. I, I hope he does. I'm uh, sure he will. He just went on another podcast uh, that one time on tour that my buddy Chris does. And he's yeah. he's such a nice guy, man. Like, Yeah, he really is. Yeah. Um, so what happens next do you go sit in a room with rick devoe and he says this is what the website needs to look like this no i had give you full... free reign because they don't know what's happening yeah they give me free reign because they didn't know nobody knew what a website was except for like me and my buddy dave it was like what so um see so yeah, i want to say it was like march so what i remember is this is how like mark and my friendship started out is i would go over to like mark's mom's house and she had a filing cabinet in her garage that she saved everything that her son did. So she had everything from, like, things that, like, would be crazy to have now. Newspaper clippings and, like, obviously all the first demo tapes and pictures and the first shirt they printed. Like, she had all that saved already. And she gave me, like, everything. And we scanned in everything we could get our hands on from her collection for the first website. And then I think... Uh, I'll have to check with Dave, but I think uh, MCA gave us a zip disk, if you remember those. Yeah. So for those of you that don't know, a zip disk is this, like, uh, floppy disks are, like, I don't know, three and a half inch. And then a zip disk is, like, a little bit bigger, and it held 100 megabytes, Whoa. which is, like, one-seventh the size of a CD. And that was, like, they cost, like, 50 bucks or something like that to buy, but that was the biggest <laughs> thing you could get for storage. 
So they sent us a couple of zip disks with all the like original artwork from Dude Ranch before the record came out. And we used that to make the first version of the website. We basically themed it around the graphics because they had all these cool graphics. And we're like, okay. So we made the website around that. But it was a lot of time at Mark's mom's house. I feel like we, I was there like every day for like a week. And then I started hanging out with Mark every day. And we were like, he was giving me stuff that he had. And, you know, we were just working on that website. And we launched it a couple of months later, uh, May 17th, 97. Wow. So for all the collectors out there who think they're hardcore Blink collectors and they have all the cool shit, Mama Hoppus for sure does. I mean, in the Tales from Beneath Your Mom and some of that stuff, there's stuff that she's donated and has pictures of that's just super rad. I mean, she has so I, much I love cool her shit. so much. She's such a sweet lady and was like, couldn't be prouder of her son and like his accomplishments. And that was like even back then, you know, she's yeah. always been so supportive. It was just cool to have all those like things. And I, I don't even remember... I, pro- we, I mean, Dave might have them on a zip disk. I know I have some of the stuff. We were going through it recently, trying to see what the files were, but we, all we came up with was the Dude Ranch artwork. We have all the original Dude Ranch artwork from MCA. Wow. Yeah, I love the story that uh, Mark tells about his mom, by the way, when you know he was debating on like going, quitting the band or like going back to college or pursuing that full-time or whatever, and she said, you can always go back to college you can always go to college later like pursue this while you guys got this going on i mean if she didn't have that conversation with him blink may not exist or have right right exactly it's so cool when when i talk to a lot of people who are successful in their field or especially like artists and stuff like that it's so crazy how many of them have had a moment like that or like a super supportive you know father or mother or family member to really push them and you just kind of wonder in the universe if you trace everything back to like that moment it's so cool yeah uh, yeah, I mean, and, I, and like, I, I mean, look at my my position as well. Like, I made a website at like 16, 17 years old for this band. I'm hanging out with this guy that's like six years older than me. My mom was super supportive of that, too. She never, like, questioned that, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's awesome, man. So you go off, so you guys go and register. Is it just Blink182.com? Yeah. yeah, I went and bought it. And it was in my name for a good number of years after I stopped working for the band until one day MC is like, can we take this back? And I was like, man. <laughs> All right, I guess I'll I'll give it to you and not yeah. put up a fight. But yeah, I went and bought the domain and then uh uh well we so from what I remember, we were really bad businessmen and we didn't like ask for the right number. We didn't ask for like a good amount of money because we were gonna do a bunch of work. Yeah. So we asked them to buy a license for a streaming audio server called Real Media, and that was so we could like have audio clips and it was like five grand or something like that for this for this software and then we just never bought the software we just took the money for ourselves and then like reworked the site and like hosted mp3s on the server which of course you can do now but back then you couldn't just do that yeah and that's how we end up getting paid so i don't even think we actually were supposed to even get a paycheck on that first website but we figured out how to get paid that's um, funny yeah Gosh. and then it was just like it was like what do we want to put on there and one of my best decisions ever was we put a chat room like embedded on the website, um, an IRC chat room that just came up, um, so you could go and chat on the Blink One Two website. And when I built it, I just thought it'd be a fun thing that like Blink fans could come together and you know have some conversations. Yeah. But then it turned into something else completely because I don't know if you've talked to a lot of bands after they record a record and they're waiting for the record to come out and they're going to go on tour, they're just sitting around doing nothing. So Mark kind of fell in love with his chat room. And it would be, Mark would be in the like living room of his apartment on the chat room, and his sister was in her bedroom in the chat room, and I was at my house like a mile down the street on the chat room. And people would come in and would learn that it would be Mark, 
and accept it. And then some people would not. And they'd be like, you're not Mark. And he's like, yes, I am. He's like, no, you're not. And then they would challenge him with the most ridiculous, like, I went to your show four months ago and you signed my shirt. What color shirt was it? And he's like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. That's funny, man. And that was just like every day of our life for like, I want to say a few months. It would just be like, I was, I was still in high school. I would get home from high school. I would get on the chat room. We'd talk. And then eventually like, Mark would be like, hey, will you take me to go get Jack in the Box tacos? And I'm like, sure. And I'd go pick him up and take him to go get Jack in the Box tacos. What's crazy about that is so Mark obviously loved the chat room aspect and kind of communicating with fans and having fun with fans. What's crazy is so, hi, my name is Mark. They just launched a Discord server like, I don't know, three weeks ago, two weeks ago. And what you were discussing right there, I'm actually experiencing right now with a lot of people who are on there. And Mark basically is on the chat and he's jumping in and he's talking with fans and he's having a good and he seems like he genuinely enjoys it and is like having fun with it. Yeah, he definitely I mean, he definitely did. He never like I never said, hey, will you join the chat and talk to people like I got yeah. Tom, I think I asked Tom one time I got Tom in there once or twice you know, and he said, like, hi, come look at my pee-pee or something like that, you know? Yeah. And I think I even got Scott to go on there one time. Like, I definitely asked them. Mark was like, that's just what he's going to do with his day. What else has he got to do? He's sitting at home. Yeah. And yeah. To, to that point, um, I remember there was days he was getting – he had a P.O. box, and he would get, like, loads and loads of mail as they were blowing up. And he's like, hey, we're going to go through every single piece of mail. And we'd have these mail days where he'd just sit around in his apartment – and it got to the point where it was too much for him, and it would be like me and Anne and Mark, and we'd all go through it. Like, hey, go through it all, read it all. If there's something that's interesting, let me know. I want to know about it. So we kind of be his filter, and like, sure, he yeah. wasn't seeing everything firsthand, but if somebody included like a gift for him, you know, he'd get it. I remember, I remember one. Somebody sent a tongue scraper. I was like, hey, Mark, I have a tongue scraper. And he's like, give it to me. And he like scraped his tongue like right on the spot. Oh. And I'm like, this fan right here sent him a tongue scraper. I don't know why. And he just like he used it. Like that's got that's pretty rad. Even though she doesn't know it happened, like it happened. Yeah. Hey, you may have opened Davy's note that he sent. Uh, I may Mark have. Beckett. You may have opened that and screened it and said, This fan yeah. sent you this really long letter. Do you want to reply to this or not? He got a reply uh, though, so what maybe I didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe you didn't. That's funny, man. So at that time, like how hands on, I mean, it seems like Mark was pretty hands on, but how hands on were the, you know, Tom, Scott were in regards to content? Like, did they want the tour dates? Did they ask for features all the time or was it just free reign and you just checked in with Mark occasionally? Yeah, it was free reign. I kind of treated it as like it was my website and I was posting like I go back and look at the, at the post. And I would like post every couple of days. Here's the news. Here's what's going on. I'd, I'd call I'd call um, I'd call Rick and ask him what's going on. Anytime there was tour dates, they'd you know either send them to me or I'd call and say, hey, do you have any new tour dates? Um, the band wasn't very hands on. Um, yeah, I remember like I tr I think I transcribed all the lyrics and then like I'd consult the band and be like, hey, what does this say right here? And then I did like a an FAQ on the band that I wrote, but like I made sure they you know vetted it. Um, Years later, I did Atari's website, and I wanted to correct that problem, so I made like a database where they could log in and answer questions themselves. And I wish that technology was there when we made the Blink site, because Mark would have gone on there and like seen ten thousand questions and just you know, oh, I'll answer this one, type in an answer. Yeah. Um, it was just like it wasn't technologically possible at that point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there wasn't a lot of stuff. I mean, 
I don't even know. What did we Where'd do? Where'd you get the, the pictures? Where'd you get the pictures from? Were they ones you took and scanned in or what? Well, the Dude Ranch pictures were mostly from Mark's mom. From what I remember, she had all these pictures, like, you know, that she saved that we scanned in. We had pictures from uh, MCA, and then we had pictures. Well, I think we called out the fans if they had pictures, We and there was a good picture, we'd use it. Um, and then I, I'm sure I took some myself out of some of those. Yeah. yeah, it was kind of just a hodgepodge. It was a free-for-all. It was 97 in the web. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so you're just doing whatever. So obviously there's not like a, a nice intertwined merch store at that point, but was there any, uh, you know, P.O. box page or like merch page that you had to deal with or mess with? Yeah, so that was actually my idea, I think. I think it was my idea. So that I so I started picking up my record label at a P.O. box at the same post office as as Mark's. And I told him, I'm like, hey, I'm there like every other day picking up my mail. Do you want me to just like pick up your mail too? So I had this like those like white mail bins in my trunk and I would pick yeah. up and he had like a, a stack every day and I'd throw it in the bin and then I'd bring it to him. Um, I'd just be picking up Blink's mail all the time and I'd be getting my mail too because I did mail order. And then one day like Mark came home from a tour or a show or something and they had like all these random shirts and I'm like, what is that? And he's like, that's all the leftover shirts. We only have like large and extra large we can't do anything with them. We can't bring them back out on tour because, like, they're just random sizes. And, like, what if I ran mail order through your P.O. box? I'm already getting it anyway. We'll have them write attention mail order, and I'll list on the website what we have for sale. And people can send in, like, their check or money order, and I'll – you guys deal with the money. I'll just pack it up and mail it out, and you can just, like, give me, a, like, a buck a shirt. And everybody wins. You get rid of the extra gear. I get a couple bucks. Like it's good for yeah. the fans. They get the extra shirts. So we did that for like a year. I ran like unofficial mail order of just like extra shirts on tour. And I, I my mom loves to talk about it because I gave her one of these shirts, and she still is like, I love that Blink One Eight Two shirt. That I still have this old school <laughs> shirt, like the first Blink One Eight Two shirt they ever made. Oh man, that's awesome. Did it? How was the response? Was it overwhelming? Or I mean, we, we, we sold out on everything. I mean, I don't remember having. We didn't have like some huge supply. It was like you know maybe a couple of boxes of merch you know every time they come back from a tour or whatever they just give me whatever they got left over a box or two and i'd figure out how many i got and no problem yeah. selling all that out yeah so for uh younger listeners this was before the days of just being able to swipe a button on your phone while you're taking a shit and having it you know, <laughs> show up on your doorstep from amazon the next day this is where right. you literally had to fill out a little form mail it put your little check in there and then you would wait for it to show up but weeks, i mean weeks they would wait because they'd mail it in and i'd have to get it and then figure out a time to sit down and mail them out yeah yeah was it just shirts or did you do any of the albums or anything i think it was just shirts from memory um and there's some cool ones, man. I mean, there's some ones that, like, you know, they're not even on the face of the planet anymore that are, like, really cool, like, one-off shirts they did for, like, a one-off show or a one-off tour. I remember this one with, like, a, a polar bear on it. Yes, I've seen long, that one. long sleeve polar bear one. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then there was, like, a bu- obviously a bunny one and, like, a gray. Yeah, all these different shirts. I don't think we ever did anything other than shirts because I was doing my I was doing my, my video at that time. Yeah, so, I'll- a lot of those OG shirts are like super highly sought after collectibles these days. It's pretty crazy. If only I just not sold them at all and just put that box in my closet, and then now I could just make a nice amount of money. If you just would have kept one fucking box of I those OG, I think I OG... kept my shirt though. I th- I think I had one of every shirt at one point. I got rid of them a couple <laughs> years ago, but I did have them for a long time. Yeah. Did you have any like crazy fan mail requests? Did you have, did you receive like, I mean, the tongue scraper is pretty fucked up, but did you have anything that's that was, what I remember. Like, creepy or like just over the top? I'm sure there was. Um, 
I remember there was a handful of like naked girls. That was always a good time. Uh, they just like include a picture in there and then be like, "Oh, let me see her." And Mark was like, "Let me check her out." Um, but oh like, gosh. yeah, the tongue scraper is really the one that stands out. I just remember, I remember the tongue scraper it was just so weird. But like, yeah. good on that fan because I bet Mark remembers it to this day that he got a tongue scraper in the mail from a fan. Like, that's so random. Does. Yeah, and and if that person is listening, whoever sent that, please let me know because <laughs> I want to know why the fuck you sent that. That's so weird. I'm sure uh, it was in the letter. I'm sure he, they explained it or whatever. But yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's crazy, man. So this is uh, this is '97. Okay, so you're kind of you've built this site uh, with the Dude Ranch materials, and so Dude Ranch drops on June 17th, 1997. What are your recollections of that? Apple Shampoo was the first single in April. So what was the date? Rec- was the date you said? Uh, June seventeenth, nineteen ninety-seven. So I gotta back it up, because um, a week before that, I believe was the damn it video shoot. Okay. I think because I checked my calendar and I show uh, it was June eighth according to my calendar. So it was right before the record came out. They shot the video, um, and that was like one of one of my favorite memories of like, yeah. it was that yes. night. Damn it didn't end up getting released as a single, I don't think, until like September of 1997. So that's interesting that the oh, video, here. that it was already picked and the video was already being shot ahead of um, Dude Ranch even being released. That's awesome. You said so Apple what? Shampoo was the first single on the record? Yeah. Oh, yeah. weird. I wonder, I wonder if that was like the band's decision. The label's like, cool, whatever, we'll make it the single and we'll make Damn It the real single. Yeah. There's I mean, no video for Apple Shampoo. No, and damn it is obviously where I think they kind of took off. That was actually my introduction to Blink. And actually, uh, the third single was Dick Lips, which is very yeah. surprising to me. I don't see that as really being a single to my ear. Um, no, but, I love that yeah. track. Though. That's a good yeah, track. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I do too. I just don't see that as being like a big radio hit or anything like that. Right. So, okay. So, yeah, prior to Dude Ranch being released, um, I guess they're ready to shoot this damn it video, which is dope. So, what are your memories on that one? So that was that was the one where I'm, um, so obviously we're doing the, the 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 chat room and we're doing the mail order and Mark's like hey we're shooting this video up in LA do you want to like come up and you know be an extra in the video and I was like yeah and he's like and again this is like where the memory's hazy I swear to God the concept was and if you haven't seen the video they're in like a movie theater and they're being you know crazy antics the concept was to fill up the movie theater with fans. And they were going to send out a mailing letter, a, like an actual mailing list in the mail or an email list. It couldn't be an email list because they weren't on technology yet. They were going to do something to fill up that theater, and they, like, forgot to do it. Mm. So I drove up separate and went to this theater in L.A. We It was a midnight call time, so we were there from, like, midnight to, like, 8 a.m. And I'm like, where are the people? And they're like, yeah, we forgot. So it's like... <laughs> It's like you and like four other random humans that just happen to be here. And I don't even remember who it was. It was like, I pre- I know Anne was there. Um, it was like me and Anne and like four other random people. And like, it was so weird. So I, my moment of fame uh, is right when they're walking into the theater, there's like a freeze frame. And I'm like right in between, I think Scott and Tom, like right over their shoulder. I'm on the curb having a conversation and I didn't even know they were filming. I was just talking to this girl. They told, said, stand here and talk to this girl on the curb. So I'm talking to this girl. And then Rick, uh, I'm sure you've heard the story. Rick was supposed to be just like the guy behind the counter. And he was so freaking hilarious that they just were like, we got to do more of him just being crazy, <laughs> wild-eyed popcorn guy. Yeah. Um, so I basically just sat in the corner with all the crew and just watched them be ridiculous idiots for like 
six eight hours overnight in the lobby with the popcorn and like everything they did was just everything they did was hilarious it was just the funniest thing ever you know falling over and accidentally pantsing tom i think like everything they did that mark would be like i have an idea and then darren doan who was the director was like let's do it and we'd just do it and like everything made the video it was great in the theater pulling red vines out of his mouth and falling over so i'm inside the theater too i'm like you can see a bunch of like dark heads and i'm yeah. probably the, the one closest to the band i'm a dark head closest to the band and they're like, don't laugh. And I'm like, but they're funny. And they're like, yeah, but you're just like watching the movie. And so luckily you can't see anything in the video. But like I was dying, man. Like everything they did, everything they did was funny. They're funny guys. So that so, was all shot in one night with just a handful of people there? Yeah, well they shot the they shot the performance stuff the day before. Um Okay. And then they and then the, all the movie theater stuff was shot the next day. And I remember the theater we were in, and there was another theater that we were hanging out. I remember they had like a thousand uh, like posters they had to sign so while they were waiting for shots they were like in the other room signing all these autographs sitting on the floor signing like maybe it was more than a thousand it was a lot it was miserable like they're just in there signing poster after poster like the dude like, ranch probably that big dude yeah, ranch poster yeah like dude ranch record release posters or whatever for the first fans in line or something like that they oh were they were like oh my god it, that's like there's some parts about being in a band that just suck and like signing your name a thousand times in a row not even like looking at the fan that is getting it it's got to be one of the worst things ever it's got to be one of the worst, but I'm a huge Blink autograph collector, so uh, being the nerd that I am, that just made me realize something. So I know exactly what poster you're talking about. It's a big Dude Ranch poster. There's even an old photo of uh, people getting that at the store on release day or whatever, and yeah. it's, signed, it's signed by all three on the very bottom. Um, and what's crazy is now we know that was signed during, basically, the Damn It video shoot, which is just fucking mind-blowing. And it was fun, too, because like, being the guy that they are, it would be like, it would be like Tom, 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 suck your mom's tit, Tom. Like yeah. he just, you know, every once in a while he just has the inspiration to be kooky and leave something funny. Um, so yeah, that at that when they gave those out, I actually went. I drove to um, Lose Records in San Diego. They did a midnight sale, and I went there with a the camera and took some pictures. And it's funny because Chris Cote who was like just a kid then he bought a record with his girlfriend. I have a picture of them buying a record, holding the poster. That's the picture I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. So I took That's that crazy. and like Man. we all we all knew Chris Cote, but he was just some kid that skated, you know? Yeah. That's awesome, man. I've actually been looking for one of those pictures for a long time or those posters for a long time. They come up occasionally, but they've been going yeah. up out of I my mean, price range. <laughs> I watched them sign so many. I feel like there's so many in existence somewhere. That was like yeah. that was ridiculous. But that video shoot was just like, I don't know. It was so fun. The fact that like they didn't have the theater full was just like really funny. It just made it almost made the video funnier. It's like a porn movie, like why are there five people in the theater? I don't know if that ever crossed your <laughs> mind when you watch the video. That's funny, man. Yeah, that hasn't crossed my mind, but it, it's a rad video. But uh, what I'm wondering is like leading up to that, obviously you had heard, most people had heard a lot of the Dude Rant songs for some time, but did you have any idea, you know, that they were going to be blowing up with this album or did that song stick out to you or what was your thoughts on that? You know, I don't really ever, I feel like I never even had any thoughts in that regard. Like, I, I've seen, I've at that point, I'd seen so many bands come and go, you know, coming through Soma backstage. Like, so many bands blew up huge and then were gone. It's like, you don't, you never know what's going to happen with a band's career. Obviously, they're on the upswing there. I remember that video, if I remember correctly, it was a $25,000 budget after M&M's was like five. 
and that was like huge like oh my god we can hire these two models to be in the video and like yeah. we're gonna like we have a we have a location and like it was like all these things that were happening that mark was really excited about and like yeah of course hopefully the next video is going to cost a hundred thousand dollars you know and it's going to keep going up from there it could go out and people were like this is terrible we don't like it and then they're done you know it's yeah. hard to tell i never knew which direction they were going in um but it's funny because i think we already talking about unwritten law so that's a really funny point of contention in san diego because growing up unwritten law and blink were like neck and neck for so long um even even when Dude Ranch came out, when Unwritten Law released their their Black album, everybody in San Diego, all my friends, were like, "Of course, Unwritten Law is going to blow up, and Blink is going to be left in the dust." And oh, they had really? a pact. They had a pact, and they said, "Whoever gets big is going to take care of the other one." And by goddamn it, Blink did it. Like they took care of Unwritten Law as much as they possibly could. They took them on tour so many times. They put their name in a song. You know, they did everything they possibly could to take care of that band and try to, you know get them up as big as as big as blink was which is really cool yeah that's awesome man i didn't even realize that um and davy had pointed out that when they were on conan it was like their big you know first b-list uh moment on tv or whatever and um i think it was mark who had ul written yeah. on his arm just to kind of give them a nod which is so dope man i mean and i'm he, not he, he wrote it on, in tape on his bass amp all the time. He'd put UL on his on the when he was on on talk shows too. So you could, if you're watching the show, you see it say UL. He changed the lyric in Josie. I don't know if you knew that. No. That what one? was the original? So no. On the demo tape, it was my girlfriend likes the beach and DHC. Okay. And then hey, before I may the record have known came that, out, but is is that demo available? It's been so long since I've. I think that one's out there. Okay. Yeah, that's one of the tracks that that's made that surfaced. Um, okay. And so that's out there, but that says the beach and DHC, and I'm like, and then he changed it to UL and DHC, which makes so much more sense too. But wow, like, you know, that's just the kind of like the kind of guys they were, the kind of band they were. They're like, we want to take care of our brothers. They're our brothers, and yeah. you know, that went on for years and years. And we, but we all, we all thought, yeah, that's really nice. But Unwritten Law is obviously going to make it big. They have this record that's just like, you know, musically like a different product than what blink was blink was like you know this like fun pop punk that anybody can play and unwritten law is like this like really like you know these masterpiece songs and then you know yeah. wow that changed yeah but we all right. thought unwritten law was going to be huge and blink was going to be like nothing and, not nothing yeah, I mean, I don't think any of them saw what what was right around the corner, you know, as we'll get into 1999 here in a bit. But yeah, I mean, at this point, well, for one, are you just solely working for Blink at this point? You mean the website? Yeah. Did you have like a ton of other clients you were branching out with as far as no, we, work or? we had started with Blink and we saw how well it went. So we started trying to get clients. We did Cargo, uh, Cargo Music's first website. Um which was their record label. Um, that was an easy sell. And then we had a couple other record labels and we did a few other things, but doing websites for other people, most of the time they do say, we want to look like this. Oh no, do this instead of this. And it's like, we didn't like the hassle of being told what to do. So it was kind of nice to work for Blink because we never got told anything. We're just like, they're like, do whatever you want. We don't really care. Like, it's fine. Um, so it was nice to have that freedom. I was mostly working on my record label at the time, and I was putting out a couple more releases and, you know, put some CDs out and some records. Was there anything you ever got in trouble for on the website? Like, just pitched it, like you fucked up something and they wanted it changed? that's coming that's coming later <laughs> okay all right we'll touch base <laughs> that, on that in a that's bit. on the second version of the website <laughs> okay um yeah so let's we're talking about dude ranch and its release so yes uh we talked about the damn it music video which apparently was 
you know, right before this. Um, so what happens when Dude Ranch comes out? I mean, obviously so, they're well on their way to a lot of people listening. So we, uh, so they're doing a weekend of CD release shows in Vegas on Friday night, in Mesa, Arizona, at the Nile on Saturday, and then Sunday night was in Lake Havasu, and. Dave and I said, my website partner Dave and I were like, we're going to go to these shows. And I actually just talked to him a couple of weeks ago to ask him about this. And he's like, no, they invite us. They said they pay for our hotels. That was like a perk. And I'm like, really? So we went out for this weekend of shows. And this is another like fantastic memory that I have was this weekend of shows. So we drive up on Friday night. Uh, they play a venue called the Hundreds Theater in, in Vegas. And after the show, we go to the Luxor. We're staying at the Luxor. I think we were trying to match all the hotels that Blink was staying at. So we're staying at the Luxor. Somehow I end up with uh, Chris Lewis, who's now in Unwritten Law. Um, at the time, he was in a band called Pivot that was opening up the show. He ends up in my hotel room and he like, duct tapes my toilet closed. And he <laughs> thinks Mark, Mark may have been there and it may have been his idea, but we're all old. So I don't know if that actually happened. So we don't end up hanging out in Vegas. And then we drive to Arizona the next day. And Dave tells a great story about how he was complaining to Mark that he lost $5 gambling in Vegas. And Mark took $5 out of his wallet and handed it to him and said, here you go, kid. <laughs> and he, like, reimbursed him 5 bucks. And Dave's like, awesome, thanks, man. That's you know? awesome. And that used to be a bit. Mark would always, like, hand people a dollar for absolutely no reason at all. He just thought it was funny. And he'd be like, hey, here's a dollar, thanks. And you'd be like, okay. Okay. What, yeah. what do I owe you? Yeah, yeah like, why are you giving this to me? And he just would laugh and walk away. And he just thought, you know, it's a dollar, like, whatever. You know, and at that time they were doing pretty well. So he's like, whatever, I'm going to hand out a dollar. It was just like, he thought it was funny. So that was like Dave's memory was like getting five bucks from Mark. So then we go to the show. And this is like, I've been telling the story for like 20 years, okay? And <laughs> it's never changed. And I'm like, I don't know if you're aware of the phenomenon that when you tell a story over time, sometimes the story changes and your memory changes and you yeah. add facts where it doesn't quite go exactly the way it is. So we're at the show, we're on stage, and when you're friends with the band, you're usually on this, for Blink, you're on Mark's side or you're on Tom's side. If you're buddies with Tom, you stand on his side. So we always stood on Mark's side because we were closer with him. Occasionally we'd feel like we should go over on Tom's side just for an alternate perspective and like to make Tom not feel so bad that we're like always on Mark's side. We're on Mark's side that day, and it's a big show. It's like, you know, 1,500 people sold out, and there's people, a couple people jumping up and stage diving, and Mark comes over during the last song, and he's playing bass, and he walks over to me at the side of the stage, and there's like, I don't know, 15, 20 people on his side, and he leans forward and whispers in my ear, and he goes, watch my shit. And I was like, what? And he goes, watch my shit. And then he goes back, and he's playing, and Dave turns to me, and he's like, what did he say? And I go... He said, watch my shit. What, what, is that, what does that mean? He's like, you know, watch watch his stuff. Like, watch his gear. I'm like, what, what's, there's like one stage diver. It's not like there's like a bunch of people on stage. What do you mean? What does it mean? What does that mean? And we're like debating what the fuck he's talking about. And then as we're having this conversation on the side of the stage, I see a bass come flying in my head and I catch it within like a half of an inch of hitting me in the head. And I like cut my thumb open he threw his bass at me and jumped into the crowd. Oh and he wanted my me to, gosh. He wanted me to catch his bass. <laughs> so I'm like, what the fuck? So I take his bass and I go backstage and I find like the, the case. I don't even think they had a roadie. So I think I just had to find their case anyway. And Mark comes back. He's like, oh, thanks for catching the bass. I was like, what? what like, what do you, why, what, ca watch my shit? Like, what are you talking about? He's like, oh, I didn't have time to explain that I was going to like throw my bass and then jump into the crowd. I'm like, watch my shit. 
catch my base. Yeah, seriously. And he's like, shrug, and just walks on. I'm like, god damn it, man. Like, I seriously almost got knocked the fuck out by Mark Thor. Like, and so anyway, the funny thing is I posted a story, and I found in the timeline, I don't know why, somebody has a video of the show. And I was like, no way. Why did somebody video? In 1997, there were no cell phones. Somebody had to bring in a camcorder from the crowd, and it's the whole set. So I fast forward to the end, and sure enough, it's exactly the way I've been telling the story for 20 years. He goes over the side and talks to a white blob twice, and then he chucks his base, and he doesn't throw it up in the air. He throws it, like, at me with, like, full force. (laughs) And I'm like, it's exactly the way I've been telling the story. He's an asshole. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we need to find that clip. Definitely send me that clip. I'll send you that clip. If you You can see just a white blob because it's such bad quality. But I'm like, yep, that's me. That's him. And you see him lean over twice. And I was like, wow, that's just that's surreal to me that somebody took that video and didn't like the battery didn't run out before the end of the show or he wasn't like zoomed in on Tom at that exact. I saw this moment. and I'm like, wow, that's so weird to me that 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 happened. I've been telling the story, and now I'm able to actually see that it happened. So that was yeah. like, that's like one of my favorite Blink stories. I'm obviously not mad at Mark. It's okay. The cut healed. It's all right. But like, <laughs> I was like, what? Like, what are you talking about? Catch my base. It's so easy. Catch my base. And I'm like, all right, I'm ready. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. yeah. So if Mark ever says, "Watch my shit," to you, be prepared to get smacked by a bass guitar heading yeah. your way. And right. bass guitars are not light, by the way. No. It's a heavy. I def- years later, I toured with Phoenix TX, and the bass player and I would trade out basses. He'd throw his bass high, and I'd throw the bass low, and we'd swap basses because it looked cool. But hey, I knew it was coming, and it was also underhand. It's a lot easier to catch a bass underhand than like when it's thrown straight at your head yeah. with full force. That's dope. You found the video though, man. I mean, I bet that's uh, yeah. so rad to see all these years later. It was crazy. Like I wish, I wish it was like HD quality, and I could see myself. But like, it's fine. Yeah. I know I'm there, and you just see like these bunch of people on stage and this white blob, and he says anyway. So that was crazy. And then after the show, we were at all the Motel Six, nice glamorous hotel. We're at the Motel Six down the street, and. I don't know if it started this show or earlier. This is another one of my mom's favorite stories. So there was a point where I was just like, it was hot. I was at Warp Tour or something. I don't know. And Mark's like, oh, I can cut your hair. Because I was talking about how I needed a haircut. He's <laughs> like, I can cut your hair. I was like, have you cut hair before? And he's like, no, but how hard can it be? So he cut my hair. And for a year and a half, Mark Hoppus was my only barber. Oh, Every my time gosh. I a haircut, they would come down from tour and I would get a haircut. So he cut my hair. At the Motel 6 in Mesa, Arizona that night, from what I remember. And it happened a bunch of times. That is hilarious. He has to remember that. He has well, to. Of course he remembers that. It's like the most random thing. And it just became this weird thing. He'd like come home from tour. I'm like, all right, you ready for a haircut? And it was like, <laughs> we both knew how ridiculous it was that, A, he was cutting my hair. And then I was waiting for him to get a haircut. Yeah. But, like, I mean, it was Clippers. Like, whatever. It was so random. And my mom, to this day, still was like, Oh, Mark from Blink cut my son's hair. <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah, I've cut like my roommate's hair and shit like back in college, and it is so awkward. They're like, you get the chair out and you get a little down. It's like, okay, don't fuck this up. Don't make it too bad. <laughs> yeah. So we always do it in like a hotel room if we could, just to make sure we didn't get hair all over his apartment or whatever. Um, so and then funny thing is on that show. So I talked to Chris Lewis from Unwritten Law about, on that about that show because he was there uh, opening up with Pivot, and he claims. So this band 30 Foot Fall played on that show. And Damon, who ended up being in Phoenix TX later on, who filled in for Blink years later, from what he tells it, they showed up to that show, like they were on tour and weren't supposed to play. And they're like, hey, we're here. Can we open the show? And Blink's like, sure. So this band 30 Foot Fall opened up, and that was the day that 
we met Damon and we became friends with Damon after that. And he ended up being an active participant on the Blink chat room later on. And that was all from that one show oh, where wow. he just showed up and was like, I wonder if we can try to play opening the show for Blink. Yeah, that's awesome. So that's crazy. Man. Jeez, dude, it's crazy to me that you were at the opening weekend of fucking Dude Ranch release shows. I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh, it was especially cool, crazy to me because when I got the record, I opened up and like on the on the the edge of the CD is my name. Like me and Dave got name dropped as like on the thanks list, and I was like, oh, oh. that was like we did the website so so quickly before the record. I did not think we were gonna make the thanks list. That was like a thing. You obviously I would get thanked for doing it, but I definitely didn't think it was gonna come on that record. I was like, wow, that's cool. So if you go if you have a Dude Ranch CD. Go pop it open, and you'll see my name somewhere in the liner notes. Spelled correctly, too, which is crazy, because nobody ever spells it correctly. That's <laughs> sick, man. Yeah, I have that. I'm going to open that up and look. That's uh, How fucking rad is that, man? I want my yeah, name in a pretty... Blink album at some point. That'd be awesome. Right? <laughs> Doesn't matter how yeah. small it is or on what page of the, <laughs> of the cover. Damn. So okay. then we had one more show that weekend. Um, the next day was Havasu, and that show I remember being just mayhem. There was like... I don't know. There's like a thousand to two thousand people at the first two shows. There was like a hundred kids in Havasu. Why? Why they are playing like Havasu? I don't know. On a Sunday night, nobody cared. I mean, I guess everybody in Havasu cared, and there was a hundred kids. Um, I that was like the first show. I remember like talking to Scott. We like had a conversation. I was like, "Oh my God, you talk! Yeah. This is crazy!" <laughs> and like, I was like, "You're a person. Like, he's so quiet. You just don't, like when he finally had a conversation." And that was the, like, I remember really talking to Tom that night. And like having like we just spent like hours and hours backstage with no nothing else to do. The weekend was over. We were just waiting for them to go on stage. There was a super cute girl backstage that was like making us burgers like on the grill. You know, <laughs> all the bands were hanging out. We were, like we were just having fun. That was probably the funnest night because there was like no pressure. And then yeah. I don't remember anything about the show. I wish there was a video of this show because uh, I, there was no on stage because it was like this tiny club. So I'm standing like right in front of Mark. And at some point in the show, he takes a bottle of water and he just like puts as much as he can in his mouth and spits it all over me and i'm like <laughs> why why thanks like, mark why would you do that and then i was like what do i do to get him back and then i'm i'm a nice person so i don't want to like ruin a blink set yeah. um but i was like do i go jump up there and like fucking like change the knobs on his guitar or like i was like i'm not that inventive i don't know man i guess i just so i just stood there like soaking wet for the rest of the show and i was like cool <laughs> thanks man you just took it as part of I the I just act. took it, yeah. Part, part of the charm of working for Blink-182 is sometimes you just get spit on. That's funny, man. So, uh, yeah, I'm actually curious as to, like, what were these dudes like, you know, behind the scenes at this time? I mean, it sounds like you had quite a bit of time with Mark. Uh, most people know, you know, Mark's always pretty cool. What's what's Tom like at this time? Just, like, so hyper best. and obnoxious. Like, I mean, you've seen these the videos they put out. There's, like, there's no on and off stage with these two, like... They they are exactly like that all the time. Like, you, you, Rick would constantly have to corral them if he had to get them to do something like legit. They were just so high energy and just like they just had fun <laughs> with life. Like I've never seen two human beings have so much fun in every aspect of life. Like, wow. obviously it's a lot easier when your band signed to a major label and you're on the upswing. But like, yeah, I feel like they were like that when they met. From what I understand, from what I've read, they were just like always having fun with each other. Yeah. And so Scott was still just super quiet, never talked. Yeah. I mean, I never got like a bad vibe from him. He was just so he was just so quiet. And then over the years, I actually stayed in contact with him for a long time. And he's like, he's a good dude. He's he's a great guy. He's just like, he's just not. 
I remember him saying, I think it was backstage at that Havasu show. He said something to the effect of, I was like, oh, you can talk. And he's like, he's like, are you kidding around these two? How am I ever supposed to get a word in? And I was like, <laughs> fair. That's fair. Yeah. I understand. Yeah, that's a really good point. Jeez. Yeah, yeah I know. I, I would love to hear, you know, I'd love to hear from Scott these days. And, and we'll touch base on Scott here in a little bit. But, oh, yeah. Okay, so you have the, uh, you know, the release shows that weekend. Great stuff there. Um, I want to touch base on these Dude Ranch demos you mentioned. So Mark yeah. swears they don't exist. You're clearly saying they're floating around forever. The listeners, a lot of the listeners surely know, you know, part of the complaints from like Davies era, era with Cheshire is that, by the time uh, Dude Ranch came out, they had been listening to these songs live, most of them, for two, three years at that point, which is nuts. So what are your memories of these Dude Ranch demos? Do they exist? Uh, all the songs, some of the songs, or what do you remember from those? So it's funny because you said, like, I heard that that Davey said that they were all, like, they had already heard these songs. I never really felt like that. Maybe because I came from, like, a different angle that I wasn't, like, a fan going to all the shows until I was going to the shows when I started doing the website. I told you I was like anti Blink for so long until yeah. I was like, oh wait, this band's really good. And I was like, I was like listening to Cheshire Cat in like secret. I didn't want people to know because I made <laughs> such a, I made such a strong stance. And I'm yeah. like, I have to 360 or 180 it. Um, so I never felt like they were like that played out, but I guess they were. Um, but yeah, no, those those demos 100% exist. It's hilarious to me that people have been asking Mark, and he's like, no, they don't exist. He has forgotten. Um, <laughs> I have these demos. I, I have like a. 10th generation cassette tape copy um i digitized it a long time ago i've played it for a handful of uh, people over the years um they do exist i people have asked me and they've gotten really angry that i haven't put them online to share it is not my place to to share them that i don't own these recordings and the fact that they haven't made it out there and that mark doesn't even know it is not my place if mark says yes put them out there i'll happily share them with everybody i'm not trying to like make a buck um they just like it's not me trying to be selfish. I would love to share them. It's just not my place to do so. I really don't feel like that. I mean, that's like I literally could get in legal trouble if I put them out. Like that's oh, not for sure. It's not my ownership. But even regardless, I just don't feel that's right. Like I would want their blessing to put that out in the universe. Now, I will tell you some insider information about those demos, as well as like all the tracks or most of the tracks. And there's a few differences here and there. Nothing substantial. Uh, the different line in Josie is the one that sticks out. Um, there's two different songs that never made the light of day. From what I understand, Voyeur that made the record is Voyeur number three. It's the third version. On this demo tape is the second version. I don't know the first version. I never heard it. This is just the story that I remember Mark telling me was that this was the second the second write-up. And then when they made Dude Ranch, they just completely scrapped it and made a different version. So it's the same theme, totally different music, very different lyrics. Um I think they won on version three versus version two, but I still listen to version two every once in a while because it's like this random weird song that doesn't exist. Now, the other song, I don't know what happened, man. This must have been... Did you watch the... Uh, when when Mark watched the making of the record and they he watched like a song disappear because they couldn't get it right in the studio? Yeah, like last week. It was uh, yeah. Punk Kid, Punk Kid from Untitled. That must be what happened to this song because... This song is great on the demo. It's great. It's everything a Blink song is supposed to be from that era. It's um, a, a crazy Tom Lick, and uh, I think Tom's singing the whole song. And it doesn't get really good till the bridge, where Mark starts singing a line, and then Tom starts singing on top of it, and, that, and then it like ends like quickly after that. My only guess is that it sounded too much alike another song, and they felt like it was the same. 
or something happened and they just didn't like it. I don't know. I think it's a great song. And from what I remember, when the record came out and those two tracks weren't on it, I was like pestering Mark. I was like, what do you think about a seven inch record on my record label with these two songs? And I guess I, I feel like I just didn't push it enough because I feel like I could have I could have made it happen at the time and it didn't happen. But like, uh, I was like, you have these two tracks. Let me put it out on my record label. Help my record label out. Let me let me have a Blink release, you know? And I yeah. just, I feel like I didn't push it enough. Maybe I couldn't have gotten it to happen anyway, but it was an idea at one point. Damn. So they do exist in they some exist. capacity. And what we need to happen is Mark to have like a 30th anniversary of Dude Ranch come out and we'll get these from you and release them <laughs> exactly how they need to be released. I want the original version because mine sound like shit. There's so yeah, many the, like levels, man. Yeah, that's the problem is like, I don't know who has the original ones because they may not be able to do much with yours. Yeah, I don't even know who like who I got mine from, that was just like a thing back in the day in the 90s, man. Like somebody would have a record and somebody would record it and then a cassette tape would be copied because that was all we had. We didn't have CD burners. It was like cassette tape to cassette tape. And you lose a lot in a generation on copying a cassette. So you just get what you get. I had the Unwritten Law Black album. You know, I think Davey said the same thing. He had it. He didn't even live live in San Diego. It was just these these tapes were floated around. Yeah. So I love this tape. Uh, I love, you know, it sounds like shit, but those two tracks, I don't know. I wish I would have released them. I wish I would have pushed that harder. Ah, man, I do too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Davey had mentioned in our conversation that he heard an advanced copy of Dude Ranch uh, that was on tape that Scott actually lent him and his girlfriend to go listen to in a car in their car before the show or after the show. Uh, but it sounds like what you have is different than this yeah. advanced copy because it's so, David. It's so insane to me that Mark doesn't even remember that. That's like. Because there were, like, how do you not remember that you had other tracks or a different version of a song? That's like, that's why I can't release it. Once I saw him on one of his Twitch streams, somebody asked him about that, and he's like, they don't exist, stop asking. I was like, he either wants it hidden or he just doesn't remember. Because, like, they 100% exist. I don't know how he doesn't know that. Yeah, I know. I don't know if he doesn't remember or if he's just so sick of getting asked about it that he's just like, they don't exist. Stop asking me. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I might ask him about that at some point um, and see if he has an answer for it. But man, yeah. that would that would be awesome. They, I they do they, exist. I, I guarantee you I've played it for a handful of people from the board. Um, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm, it's not all, maybe there's an alternate reality. It's like the Berenstein Bears, right? Maybe in his version of the reality, he never made these demos. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they weren't meant to be recorded. Somebody was being sneaky, sneaky in there. I guess in his mind, those two, I don't know. I don't know what his mind thinks. I, I just don't know if maybe like those weren't Dude Ranch songs to him. And so maybe those aren't Dude Ranch demos in his opinion. But, but the it's, the whole, it's the whole record plus those two songs. It's like, uh, I, I mean. I don't know, but I don't know if it's every track, but it's like a twelve-track demo. It's like ten of the tracks from the record and these two, so it's not like it's like just the two. It's I don't know. Do you I really think. What, just, do you remember what year you got this? Was this ninety-seven, ninety-six? Had to be. It had to be. Yeah, I don't even know. I mean, yeah, I don't even have the cassette tape anymore. I threw the tape away because I digitized it, and I'm like, I gotta digitize it before this tape like crumbles from time. <laughs> and I got rid of all my like cassette tapes. Or you know what? Maybe it's at my mom's house. It might exist still, this this cassette tape. But I digitize it, and it's fine. Damn. Okay. 
All right, yeah, that's pretty wild. That's that's breaking news. I need like a breaking news sound effect. <laughs> da, da, da. Uh, yeah, we're we're bringing shit to light out here on 182 News. Um, okay, so let's move on to Josie. So uh, Josie was actually the fourth single released in November 1998. So they were kind of squeezing these out on Dude Ranch for a while. Um, the well, music I got video. More, that- I got more 97 for you. What do we need to go over? Let's do it. There was they recorded uh, a couple songs in the studio that was apparently Scott's last session. That was in September of '97. Okay, is this where Mutt came out? Yeah. So, okay, so I have a cool story. Do you, this was Mutt and I won't be home for Christmas. Um, yes. I checked my old calendars, my wall calendars. I was telling you I saved for years and years for no reason, and finally found a reason. So I have it on my calendar that I went in the studio with them September 2nd, 97. Um, The funny thing, so they went to record I Won't Be Home for Christmas and Mutt. And I Won't Be Home for Christmas. This is another thing I wish I had. Mark called me from the road at some point and was like, hey, I just wrote the song. Check it out. And he played me on acoustic I Won't Be Home for Christmas on my answering machine. And that was like one of the first songs that I heard that I was like, wow, this is this is really a good song. Like yeah. he's playing on acoustic. I'm already like, wow, this is a great, like the way he wrote from the like verse into the chorus. I was like, this is a good song. So he played it for me. Like the first day he wrote it on my answering machine. And then they went in the studio. Uh, that was so, so September, September 2nd is what I have in my notes. And they went into big fish studios and I followed them in my car. They were in the white van and I don't remember who was t- driving. I think Tom was driving and he kept turning down streets and then making U-turns. I guess he just thought it was hilarious to just be an asshole for like 20 minutes and make me, we had no GPS, so I just had to follow them. So I turn yeah. a street and then they make a U-turn. They turn back and they turn around. I'm like, you realize you guys are 20 minutes late to the studio session just because you were trying to fuck with me, right? And they're like, yeah. Like, I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, that's not like, it didn't that didn't hurt me. It hurt you as much <laughs> as it hurt me. Like, what are we talking about? So yeah, we went in the studio and they recorded I Won't Be Home for Christmas and Mott. Um, with Scott, and that was really cool. That was the only time I was ever in the studio with them, like, when they were recording. So I got to see... I don't remember being there for, like, a lot of it. I was just, like, kind of hanging out and chatting with them and stuff, uh, probably talking some business. Um, the crazy thing is... And this is why you should have you should have my buddy Dave on that did the website with me, because we had a platform at one point around that time that we were like, let's get you in Blink. What if they... They're getting pretty big. Let's get them a second guitar player. Why don't we get you in the band? And... <laughs> I want to say they were taking it pretty seriously. And at that at that studio session, Tom prank called Dave and left a message on his voice on his answering machine. But it was, he was living at home with his parents. And he said a bunch of like really dirty shit on his like parents answering machine message. It was like, oh, you're going to be in the band. Blah, blah, fuck your mother. Blah. And so like that's one of Dave's favorite memories is he got this call from Tom. But there was like interest. Like they were like talking about whether maybe he'll come play second guitar on, on a tour and see how it goes. Oh shit! Okay. That was like his, that's like his regret that he never like pushed that harder. We tried, we yeah. tried to, and you know, I think Mark was into it and Tom wasn't. From what Dave and I were talking about, that's what we think. Like Tom didn't want a second guitar player or didn't want to pay another person on tour. But yeah, yeah, I could see that. We're like, wouldn't that be cool if he just played second guitar and then Tom, you wouldn't have to worry about everything. Like you could just like, yeah, hell yeah. So that was at that at that at that recording session that that happened. So what do you remember about Scott in that session? Was there something in particular or that was just his last last session? That was his last session. Like I was blindsided by that whole thing when it came out. I 
I didn't know anything. I didn't see anything. I, I'm not like Davey where I had this conversation where he was like sad or anything. Just one day I was like, Scott's out of the band. I'm like, oh, okay. That's, yeah. That sucks. So, yeah, and we'll get there because this is like, you know, about five months later. So yeah, May yeah, of 90- we're fast forwarding. Yeah, so May of 98 is kind of where that goes down. So is there anything else we need to touch base on in 1997? No, I mean, we went to a bunch of shows. I got some pictures from like Warp Tour. In, like in July, I remember, I remember I went to Warp Tour in San Diego, and then it was always like Mark was like, "Oh, you're gonna come tomorrow to Orange County," and I was like, "Okay." And then I just like drive up, like it was not in the plans, you know, and like you know, I show up and there's like a backstage pass, and I've got a camera with me, and I'm like, "Cool, I can just do whatever I want and take pictures." Like I oh, underutilized yeah. my privilege back then. I just yeah. brought like crappy camera. I mean, I was into video back then, and I could have just brought a video camera and videotaped a show, and I never did. Why? I don't know. I don't know why I didn't, never yeah. did. Yeah, that is crazy. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty rad. So, 97 is a big year for the boys. Um, yeah. And so, you know, we start getting into 1998. I mentioned Dick Lips was released in February, which is wild. Um, so, what do you recall about, you know, the story goes there was an original Josie music video. Um, I think I had read at one point, Mark's idea was like a sinking cruise ship. Um, it ended up not being able to totally recreate that, but they were floating in water. I think Tom got his head smacked by a guitar and was bleeding or something. What's the story on the Josie music video one and two. I have in my notes from my calendar, February 6, 98 original Josie video shoot. Well, it doesn't say original on my calendar. It says Josie video shoot. So I think that was the first version, February 98. Does that make sense from what Davey said the, the other one was? Yeah. Yep, that sounds so about right. They shot it on a soundstage in L.A. in like an underwater tank. I remember Mark coming back and telling me about it and telling me how miserable it was. And they were cold, freezing cold the whole time. And then <laughs> we got the video back and I watched it. It was at Mark's house. We watched it and it was the most boring, stupid video ever. They're playing and the water's at their feet. And by the end of the video, the water's like, and they're almost drowning. The end. That's it. And I was like, what just happened? Like, there must have been a, a confusion or somebody thought they were not Blink-182 and they were like a serious band. They didn't get to show off any of their like comedic like sensibilities. And it's and it wasn't like, Josie's not like a dark song. It wasn't like Stay Together for the Kids. It made no sense. And yeah. I saw the video. I remember watching it with Mark at his house, and I'm, and then like just they just scrapped it completely. They probably spent a lot of money in it because it was on, like I said, it was on a soundstage with like an underwater thing. I don't even know. They'd like ruin their equipment, uh, like a second set of equipment because it went underwater. I don't know. Yeah. It was so dumb. There's like a clip somewhere online. It's awful. Yeah, I've seen at least a picture. Uh, small clip of it at some point and yeah it's just like mark floating underwater and it's really yeah. weird you're so like okay that's a cool idea what what else and you're like oh yeah, what else that, is happening that was it you're like oh i thought that was the opening idea for the video that's the whole video yeah oh okay uh, yeah that's nuts so yeah so then they scrap that and they decide fuck it we're gonna go i think they actually went back to director darren doan yeah for to do josie video number two is that correct yeah, and this was uh, April 19th, I think, is when they did the shoot. And this was, like, I feel like this is when I started, like, having a very strange relationship with the band because they didn't invite me up to come to that video shoot. And I don't really know why. And I remember I was, like, I was kind of mad at Mark. Like, I was, like, what the hell? Why, why didn't you invite me? And he was, like, I forgot or something. I don't know. There's a lot of weird mojo that happened, I feel like, in 98, 99, like, 
with me and the band. They were getting bigger, and I felt like I was kind of getting left behind. Um, so yeah, I didn't get invited to that Josie video, and I don't really know why. Okay, and Davey I should have been there. the one poking him with a stick at the end of the video. God yeah, damn it! Yeah, I was gonna say Davey got to poke Scott with a stick at the very. End. Yeah, well, he's not on the curb in the damn it video, so. Yeah, and the the webmaster wasn't even invited. What the I fuck? Know. I mean, maybe it was just a simple mistake. I don't know. I just remember I was pretty. I was actually upset, not like to not be in the video, but I was just like, why am I not being included? Like, I'm included yeah. in everything. Like, what do you what what do you mean? What's going on? Was there a ton more work that you guys were having to do now that you know Damn it was getting big and you know Dude Ranch is getting big? Um, not really, but like sometime in I want to say late '98. So we made a second version of the website, and in talking to Dave, he's like, that was our idea. We're just like, the website's been up for like a year and a half. It's time for a new one. And at that point, I think I had to negotiate with MCA to get paid. I was like, hey, we need a second website. We pay. And we made our own website completely on our own before NMO was even coming out. And as a really happy accident, it was blue-themed. And when we got the artwork, it was like, oh, it matches like accidentally and we're like cool we can like kind of change a couple things here and there to make it more enema but we made it just on our own my dave just used his own graphic skill elements and you know made it made his own website so we made a second one somewhere late 98 but from what he tells it to me he's like that was our idea we're just like we need to make another one it's getting boring and then we were like you know a year or two of web experience at that point we're like okay this first website should not have pop-up windows it should all be in frames and with mouse overs and yeah. you know I, I hand coded it in javascript because there wasn't like plugins for that and you know we did a lot of really cool things that were like really pushing the edge of technology at that point were you were you guys getting like a ton more hits like were you able to tell and gauge that like these dudes are getting big oh yeah it was always like going up um that's a good question i, don't, I wonder what the server bills were like at that time I should go back and check the emails. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there was hits, but I mean, we didn't host. It was just HTML and like really tiny GIFs and JPEGs. So like, we that's why we couldn't host music on there because it would be too much, too much bandwidth, and our bill would be insane. You know, if you put yeah. up like, but I remember we did put up. I want to say on the Enema, we re- released a track a day and then took it down. So the we put the entire Enema record up before it came out, basically. And if you went to the website every day, you could hear the whole record and basically download it. Um, that would never fly today. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely not. Although these days they do end up releasing like, you know, four or five, half the albums fucking out before the album right. <laughs> drops, which is crazy. So, OK, uh, so uh, May, I believe it's May 31st is when we no, it's actually I think June 2nd is when we think Scott's uh, final show was. So you didn't see this. Oh, coming. Hold on. Nothing- so I was going through ticket stubs and I found a Palladium stub from May 1st, 98. Was that the same last show? That is the one that Davey was at. And I think that was his like last show in L.A. that Davey considers his last show there, I think. OK. Um, but I know Travis was on drums permanently from June 15th, 1998 yeah. on. And we have video proof of Scott on drums on June 1st. They played a show, according to our timeline, on June 2nd. And then there was a two-week break. So we assume Scott played on drums June 2nd because he played the night before. Then there was a two-week break. Shit hit the fan. Whatever happened, happened. And he was never seen again. So in regards to that, you know, did you see this 
coming? Did you even know who Travis was at the time? Like, what are your memories at that time? How do you get communicate? Like, did you just get a text from, or not a text? Did you get a text. call or <laughs> a, a memo? Did, did you yeah. get faxed uh, something from DeVoe that said, take Scott off the website? Like, what's your memories of this? So it, it was super awkward for us. Um, so I, I considered myself and Dave as well. We are friends with all three of the guys. Um, so like, when we learned Scott, I did not see it coming. I had no idea. I didn't know they had any turmoil. I didn't even know Scott had a drinking problem. This is all news to me. I mean, I wasn't out on tour. I just see the San Diego shows, but I never saw anything. I didn't know. I, I was totally blindsided by the whole thing. I thought they were getting along just great. I was just sad for everybody. Um, like, sad for Scott. And, like, I mean, just have the whole band. It was just, anytime you lose a member or you have to kick somebody out, it's still painful for, you know, for everybody. It's so like yeah. I was just sad the family was getting broken up and it was changing professionally. I was like, you know, that's fine. We hadn't released the Enema website yet. It was like close to done. And at that time, we were about to hand the reins over to MCA. They were going to take the entire website and host it themselves, which, in my opinion, is the demise of all websites. When you let the record label handle it for you, they think it's just like a commercial <laughs> and it's just like not maintained well and you know, it's not going to give anything. It's just going to be a sit there. Like, it's like a moment in time that they're never going to touch it uh, most of yeah. the time. So I kind of fought that, but I was like, whatever, it's happening. They're growing and, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting kind of edged out and they're going to have a record label handle it. That was like a really big thing in the late nineties. Now it's like, I don't think any band would want a record label to run their website. They would want the control over it, but nobody knew at that time. So the label was taking it over. So we had the website all built out with Scott and we're like, shit, we need this guy, Travis. We're like, we don't have any pictures of Travis. He's in the Aquabats. He wears a full, like, thing. We're like, what do, what do we do? <laughs> and MCA's like, don't worry about it. Just, like, send us the website, and we'll, like, fill it in. And I'm like, well, okay, let me just, like, change all the references from Scott to Travis and try to, like, clean it up as best I can. So we clean it up, and I make, like, a call out. To, I think we had a, I ran an email list, or it was on the website or something, and I said, hey, does anybody have pictures of Travis not in the Aquabats? And somebody sent me this picture, and it's like him. I guess he just got off stage. He was like all sweaty and gross, but he had the costume off. And that was like my filler picture for like the Travis, like on the bio page. And I shipped it off to MCA, and I was like, hey, make sure you change this picture. It's like a, a holding place for Travis. Like you need you need a better picture for him. And there was like a whole picture section that was broken down by band member, and I had like nothing of Travis. I'm like, fill it in. So they didn't listen to me, and they launched it with this like not great picture of Travis. Um, so then I was still going to some shows anytime they were in like SoCal and I met Travis and I'm like, Hey Travis, nice to meet you. I'm Rob. Like I did your website. And he's like, Oh cool. Nice to meet you, man. And then like a couple weeks go by and I go to be another show. Hey Travis, what's up? Do you remember me? And he's like, no. I was like, Oh, I'm Rob. I, I did your, I do your, I used to do your website, you know, friends of the guys. Oh cool. Nice to meet you. This kept happening over and over again. And by like the fifth or sixth time, I was like, this guy's a fucking prick. He fucking remembers me. How? What do you mean he like every time he doesn't remember? I'm only like two, three weeks apart from these shows. Like what? Do, so I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Travis is an asshole. That's fine. Whatever. Like, sure. I hope I hope they're happy. So fast forward, we're gonna jump around, but fast forward to the year 2000, and uh, Travis gets jumped at a Taco Bell. We all know that story, right? He gets jumped and he they break both of his legs, and that's when I, Damon from Phoenix TX comes and steps in and fills, plays drums. So, like, that year, somebody in San Diego had told me that Travis had beef with me. And I'm like, what? 
And they're like, he doesn't like you because you tried to make him look bad when Scott was out of the band. You made him look bad on the website. And I'm like, that's not what happened. Like, (laughs) that's not what happened at all. I was like, is that a real thing? Travis Barker has beef with me? Like, that's so stupid. Like, what? Who am I? So when he got jumped, Famous Stars and Straps put his email on the website. and was like, hey, wish Travis you're like, you know, Travis got jumped. Here's his email. So I emailed him. I said, hey, man, I'm so sorry I heard what happened. That's so awful. Like, just so you know, man, I heard this rumor that you, like, have beef with me and <laughs> over this. Oh, my gosh. And, like, I did not have a picture. I have an email to MCA saying make sure you change this. Like, I – Scott was my friend, but, like, I am professional. Like, that's not how I conduct myself. I apologize if it came off that way. Like, I just want to clear the air. And he wrote back, and he was like, hey, man – thanks yeah no i don't have beef with you but things have always been weird between us and i'm like yeah no you had beef with me and then we settled it after that and then like he became the nicest person ever to me and i was like he did have beef with me it's so weird i'm so happy i learned about it because otherwise i would have gone through life just thinking travis barker's a total asshole and and telling people and be like "Ah, i'm not even gonna listen to blink i hate that guy that's crazy. Uh, that's so surprising to me that a he would even just like even give a fuck about that at that point or even know about it. Right. Uh, and just over a picture, like, was there any other like verbiage that? I mean, obviously you probably thought about this for a couple of years. <laughs> was there anything else on the on the website that you think he would have been pissed about, or just this nope. picture that a fan? There was saved? there was nothing because I had nothing. I didn't. I barely knew who Travis was when they're like, Scott's out, Travis is in. Give us the website with Travis. And I'm like, what? I can't like. Do we have, like, 20 pictures of him playing in different venues without a, like, what? No. They haven't yeah. even played the show yet. Like, I that was that was it. It's just a picture. And it has to be true because he wrote back and he's like, no, it's, and like, whatever, I didn't have beef. And then the next show, so I'll tell you that story, jumping ahead to 2000, they played a, a show at the Casbah in San Diego. Super tiny show, like 200 kids. Everybody was trying to get in in San Diego. I don't even remember how. I was like... I was either on somebody's list or I was like going to just work it out. I was going to go down there and figure out how to get into this like totally exclusive show. It's like, I'm Rob Perlman. Like, what are you talking about? Let me in. So I'm rolling down. <laughs> I the used street. to do the website. Yeah. And like, I rolled down the street and Travis was like outside and he's like, Rob, what's up, man? Are you in? Do you need like, do you need me to get you in? Are you good? And I was like, huh, huh. That's a very <laughs> different Travis than I've been meeting before. So, yeah, he got That's me into hilarious. that Casbah show, made sure I was taken care of, and we had, like, a bunch of encounters since then, which I'll get to when we come back to the future here. But, yeah, nice, just... nice. Okay, yeah, yeah, That I'm glad that had a, a nice resolution because too. Travis, uh, yeah, I bet. Honestly, like, when I've seen the three of them, like, out and about, I mean, Travis is the coolest out of any of them, like, when it comes to, like, really meeting fans and like just being rad after the show and like going out of his way to do stuff. I mean, Travis bends over backwards to accommodate people and requests and all that stuff. So that's cool. It um, hurt my soul too. Cause when I first met him, everybody was telling me stories about how he's such a nice guy and he was such a dick to me. And yeah. I'm like, he's looking me in the eye, telling me he doesn't remember me. And th- at that time, I mean, you don't say that to a person. I was young and dumb and I said a lot of dumb shit. You don't be like, Hey, do you remember me? That's a dumb thing to say. But I remember he's like, Nope. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> Okay. I mean, you should. I made your website. Yeah. I helped your band become famous. That you're now just like, just picking up and you know, and riding off into the sunset, man. Like, that's yeah. funny. Yeah, and I couldn't imagine. I mean, I would be super bummed if Travis had beef with me. You know, in my right? 30s, much less like a kid who was like working on their website for him and shit. That's great. I try to like go through life and not have people have beef with me. Some people may not like me, but I don't want somebody to be like, I'm angry at like X Y Z. If I did anything to piss somebody off, 
at this stage of my life, I want to be like, I'm sorry, man. And like, I've gone back in my past and gone back to people that I have harmed and said, Hey, I'm sorry. I didn't mean this this way. Or I'm sorry that I actually, yeah. I did this and I'm an asshole. I'm a different person now. I'm a better person. You know, I've, yeah. I'm, if I went through life, I'm just like, well, Travis is just an asshole. No, he thought I was an asshole and it was all just a stupid misunderstanding. So it is nice that there's a yeah. happy end. I'm, I'm very happy about that. That if I ever get Travis on, I'm gonna ask him about that. That's hilarious. Oh yeah. my gosh. I have the email okay. still. I carry it on my phone. It's an email from Travis Barker. It's like three lines. He's like, No man, I didn't have beef with you. I'm like, yeah, you did, man. <laughs> Just say you did. That is classic, man. Okay. I'll tell so you mentioned story later on. Okay. Yeah. So you mentioned that you keep uh you kept or keep in touch with, with Scott. So, you know, he, he leaves, uh Travis is in. So how do you keep in touch with Scott at that point? And how long so, does that go on? I wish I could remember all the timeline of this, but Scott joined a band not that long after. I feel like they were called the Accidentals and then they were called Death on Wednesday. And he was the guitar player. Um he was very angsty because as as you can expect. And I remember he was like he would kick over an amp every once in a while. Like he had like a half stack, and he, I remember he kicked it over one show. I don't know if he was still drinking or if he was angry about everything, but he could afford it. So I was like, okay, it makes for a good show, so whatever. Uh, but yeah, yeah, he was playing all these shows, and I was uh, working with two bands in San Diego. This band, The Classified, and a band called Agent Fifty One, uh, that were on my record label, and we would have shows with them all the time. They are good buddies of ours. They're uh, the bands from Orange County. So we'd play shows all the time. Like Scott was in our like group of friends that we just see all the time. I do remember, I think the first time after he was kicked out, I ran into him at the Casbah at somebody else's show. And he was like, I knew he that he had a drinking problem and that he was like trying to kick it. And we're having a conversation about that. And I was like, oh man, it's so good to see you. Like, can I buy you a beer? And he's like, no, I'm, I'm not drinking. And I was like, right. Right, I said, I said dumb shit right there. Yeah. <laughs> so I happened to buy a fucking drink. Um, but like we t- we've talked a lot about it. Um, you know, I, I I'm I I have no filter, so I'm just like, dude, like, are you mad? Like, everything is everything okay? Like, I'm asking all like all these shit that you probably should not be asking somebody at that stage. Um, he definitely wasn't super stoked on the whole situation, as you can imagine, and yeah. Uh, I feel like it felt he felt like it wasn't his choice, whether it was or wasn't. I don't know. We weren't there to, to like know what went down. But um, I remember he definitely was like hurt by the single um, man overboard. I can imagine. I mean, it's clear as day. Yeah. Well, the part that the part that stood, stood out and I, I don't know if I'm betraying his confidence to repeat a line that he told me. But he said to me, he's like, it's not that I minded that they wrote a song about it. It's that I that they picked it as the single. And I was like, mm. fuck, you're right, man. That is kind of like, why Why do you have to make that the single? Like, put that on the album and, like, you know? Well, it was for the Mark, Tom, and Travis show. So it, was, it actually got left off Enema, if that makes him feel any better. I know, but, but they made a, a video for it, you know? A yeah. bunch of people dancing around at the Belly Up Tavern in San Diego. Yay, Scott's out of the band! So sorry, it's yeah. over! It's like, it is kind of weird, you know? Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I know. I I was actually surprised because Davey, you know, he was somewhat close with with Scott when he was in that circle or whatever. And uh, I thought Davey would dislike Man Overboard, but he said he liked it. He appreciated the honesty. And Man Overboard is a lot. It's in a lot of people's like top ten Blink songs of yeah. all time. It's not. It's not my favorite song to me. It's just. It's a little. A little basic for me. It's not bad. It's just like whatever to me. It could be like I said. It's like a a track on the album that it's like whatever. 
that's my take on it yeah. obviously everybody's got their own opinion and i just but yeah i mean knowing scott being friends with that i just felt bad i'm like if i was in a band you have to kick somebody out you're just like do you really need to like make a song and like sing about it i don't know i guess that's what you do in a band but i feel like it's like that's like having sex with a girl and then go telling everybody about it like you, there's some things that are supposed to be private like it's like there's turmoil in your band like that, i don't know i feel like that just shouldn't be out there you know yeah yeah that's crazy so how long did you continue to stay in touch with him i mean that was that was years he was playing in this band you know that was like all through like oh five i want to say maybe he was yeah he was okay. in that band accidental's death on wednesday really good band he was in that band for a long time playing guitar um I want to say it's probably the last time I saw him was like one of those shows where, you know, we just always play shows with him and he was always a super nice guy. And then a few years back, I had a, like a 20 year reunion for my record label um, and a mutual friend of ours, the guy that ran Soma for so many years came down and he's like, Scott was going to come down. He's living in um, like Ventura or something. He's like, oh, he's going to come down. He couldn't make it. I'm like, oh, man, that would have been amazing. Like, why couldn't he yeah. make it? He's like, oh, he had, some, he had some other obligation. He's like, he told me to tell you, like, he wanted to come down. I'm like, oh, that's so cool, man. Like, that would have been awesome to see. We saw so many people from back in the day. It would have been awesome to have Scott come out, you know? And, like, yeah. it, I'll see him eventually one day. Like, eventually I'm going to just take a road trip to California and just go, like, track him down. And be like, what's up, man? Give me a hug. Shoot nobody knows what he does like nobody like, he's so underneath the radar and i know he yeah. wants it that way obviously yeah yeah for and sure I, he totally wants I mean, it that way and i mean more power to him that's awesome but i mean i wish i've said it before on the podcast i mean i wish he would come out occasionally or you know at least come talk to me on the podcast um but he, he, hey, i'll never talk to you on the podcast I he'll don't never think. talk to me yeah. no no I'll, yeah. and, and the problem what sucks is i don't even think i'll ever meet him which sucks because i would love to just shake the dude's hand and just thank him for cheshire and dude ranch i mean he's he's a legend uh, in the yeah. blink history yeah. book in my opinion and the part that bugs me out too is like on those on the, the sessions that i was there the um won't be home for christmas and mutt i felt like he was really coming into being a good drummer like i think he's a pile of shit on cheshire um and getting better on dude ranch but like he he was never like a travis barker obviously he wasn't like this prodigy but he yeah. was, was good on mutt and he was good on uh on i won't be home for christmas like he had fills in there that weren't just like the basic like you know fast punk beat like he was becoming yeah. a, i think a really good drummer i think if he would have been given his chance you know he would have been like a pretty good drummer by now yeah yeah that's crazy all right so and funny when, when they put when when they re-recorded mutt we all in San Diego felt like that fill that Travis does at the beginning of Mutt is almost like a drum version of like, fuck you, Scott. Like not in like a mean spirited way, but just kind of like, Thanks. let me put a sick fill at the beginning of the song that he once recorded just to like show you what's up. Yeah. Check this shit out. Do -do -do -do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Trav I love Trav. I mean, Travis oh, Trav's is the best. Beast. He's so fucking good. Yeah. One of my first tattoos was like the famous stars and strap things. I mean, I'm a huge fan of, but I, I like them all. I'm just very positive about everybody. In yeah. Blink, so. Oh, I, I mean, same. Uh, I, I, I love Scott. I mean, I miss watching those shows and being on the side of the stage and hanging out with him. Um, Travis is great. Like, I love, I mean, when I started seeing Travis at shows, besides him being the biggest asshole, I was like, he's a great drummer. Like, clearly, <laughs> you know, like he's the best. Funny. All right. So we start getting into, you know, the Anima 1999. Their shit's really about to change. So when you pass over the reins to the label on the website, are you done at that point working for them? Pretty much. Yeah, it was done. I mean, I had a good period of time where I knew my path was to go out on tour and start out as a roadie and work my way up. And I did that for four years and I was begging 
Mark to let me come out and do merch on tour. I was like, if I'm not going to do the website, let me come sell sell merch, man. Like, any idiot can sell merch. Let me come out there and let me do it. Let's go. And I don't know why that never happened either. Again, I probably didn't push that hard enough. I don't know why. It almost happened. Yeah, um, yeah I handed over the reins. And then it got, it got really weird. I'm on the, I got on thanks list for Anima, too. That's my other, like, claim to fame there is somewhere on the liner notes in Anima, which was cool because that oh, was, sick. like, on my way out. I had one on my yeah. way in and one on my way out. Um, but yeah, like that was like we did that website and that was it. I mean, they still like they were on tour all the time. I never saw Mark. They got really busy. I was like, man, I missed like, and it's funny because just last week I was like reminiscing and thinking and prepping and like looking at all these calendars and I was like, Mark was my best friend for a year. That's like I didn't even realize that until last week. Like for a year, like whenever he was in town, we were inseparable. And I'm like, and it was never like other people. Like I, I think we were we were best friends, which is weird. I never even thought about that before. You know, yeah. he'd be like, hey, let's go get let's go get sombrero. Come pick me up. And I'd be like, all right, I'll be right there. And I go pick him up and we go, you know, get some. He's like, let's go computer shopping. I need to buy a new computer. All right, let's go <laughs> computer shopping. You know, and I was like, wow, I never even thought about that. Like yeah. we hung out so much. It was like losing a really good friend. And like I was just sad that like I lost my friend <laughs> more than yeah. anything. Oh, I could see that. Um, yeah. I mean, but by the way, when you guys would go out or, you know, go grab a bite to eat or whatever, would he ever be recognized or were you guys? I remember one, I remember one time from coming from his house, we were going on this like major street and we were at a red light to turn and there's this kid on the corner and he's like, he sees Mark through the window and he's like, oh, and his eyes go big and Mark's like, oh, and like imitates him and like it would happen every now and then. And then like we always go to Sombrero after, after the show. That was like a huge thing. And it was just like his thing for a while. And then it kind of became known that like after a Blink show that like every all the Blink guys would go to Sombrero. And so like if you want to meet the band, just drive up to Sombrero and you get to hang out in the parking lot and have eat Mexican food at midnight, two in the morning. And that was just like a thing. And like, you know, it'd be like 20 kids hanging out at Sombrero eating Mexican food with with the band. Oh, you know, my gosh. We had that, you know, you've heard about the movie nights. We used to go to like dollar movie nights every Monday or Tuesday. Mark was like a huge movie buff, so like every week we'd go see a different movie, and like he'd be like, "Hey, you want to go? Let's go." He'd be like, "Here's a dollar. I'll buy, I'll buy your ticket." <laughs> I remember we walked we walked out of one movie. Walked out of one movie with uh, um, Kramer from Seinfeld had a movie where he was like a lawyer, and I think we we sat for about twenty minutes, and Mark's like, "You want to go?" I'm like, "Fuck yeah, this is terrible," and we walked out. <laughs> go, go IMDb. I don't know what it's called, but that's the only movie we ever walked out of. Oh my gosh! Yeah, if I ever make uh, a well, if people can ever travel again safely and I go over to California, I want to sit on that sombrero curb where you yeah. guys used to hang out with Blink because it, this is the one that everybody visits and there's yeah. drawings in the bathroom and all that shit, right? Still the same location? Yeah, they've expanded. They got, I mean, I think that Sombrero as a brand like blew up. They have like 20 locations. Um, yeah. Yeah, they expanded. They, they knocked out the, the business next door and they're twice as big. So when I went back after a bit of much years, I lived in Vegas and went back to San Diego. I'm like, oh. It's like there's all this seating here now. That's really weird. It's like <laughs> definitely it used to be just this tiny little shack, and now it's you know this yeah. big place. And yeah, I think they paint over the wall in the bathroom every like month, so you can write yeah. something on there. But then they paint it over, and you know yeah. people bring them, bring them, bring them letters, and they put it behind the counter. They they haven't gone to that sombrero in forever, I don't think. Yeah, I doubt it. That's funny. Okay, so yeah, they they blow up in 1999. Everybody knows the story. Enema, what's my age again? All the small things. So, I mean, you kind of said that you're done working for them at this point. But how did you feel? You know, seeing them on TV. Did you were you stoked for them? You know, they oh, made absolutely. it. Were, were you 
were you sad because you were i mean i guess out of contact at this point is that right yeah like like i said i was more just like i wasn't like oh man i i should have been like working for blink and they you know dropped me professionally it really comes down to and even to this day i'm like sad i'm like man i'm we i don't know what the hell i had in common with mark i have no idea we were like years apart i wasn't in the band uh i asked this to david the other day i'm like why why was i friends with mark what like what I think that he said, like, he's like, oh, you're driven, you're connected, and you all the all these music scene. The thing I always say is I used to be a really negative person. Um, and I remember when Mark showed me the Josie music video when they got it back, the second one, uh, he played it for me, and he goes, what do you think? And I started critiquing the parts that I didn't like. And he got really mad at me and was like, why are you, like, shitting on our video? And I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, I'm, I'm, I like the video. I'm sorry. I like the video except for this one part that I didn't like. I'm giving you honest feedback. And I feel like everybody in his world was like a yes man was like saying, oh, you're the best. This, this, is, this is great. This is great. And I've just never been like that. If you ask me something, I'm going to be like, oh, no, I hate that track. Um, one of the bands I worked for, the uh, working title on the CD that I put out was called Anti-Rob because they're like, you're going to hate this song and you're going to shit on it. So we're just going to name it after you. And I'm like, <laughs> I guess I just shit on things too much. But like, I feel like in his world, he had so many people that were like, yes, that I was like, he liked to have somebody that was like honest with him. Yeah. Yeah. You appreciate just somebody like normal just to hang out with, not somebody who's like fanning out or a yes man yeah. or something like that. Yeah, I, I could totally see that. I, so, didn't I, mean, start out, I didn't start out as a Blink fan, you know, I started out the opposite. So like, I, you know, I'm a fan of the guys. I love all the guys in the band, including Travis. You know, all three of those guys were great. Like, I feel like they yeah. helped form my personality. I was a shy kid and then I hung out with them. I'm like, oh, I can like talk and like be social. Like, this is interesting. Yeah. That's awesome. So did you have any idea that they would get to as big as, as they got that year and the following? Well, it was crazy. So I'll tell you my story here. So I saw them in like October. They played another like MTV exclusive club show in San Diego, this place called the Empire Club. And I saw that and I think I don't even like, I don't even think I talked to the band that night. It was weird. I was like, oh, they're big now. They just like roll in, play the show and got out. I'm like, this is weird now. I don't know. So I went to uh, New York City on like my first like adult trip uh, with some friends of mine. And while we were there, we found out Blink was going to be on Saturday Night Live that weekend. And I was like, oh, my God, they're going to play like they're that big. Like you didn't know things like that. There was no Internet. I don't even know how I heard that. But somebody told me and I was like, this is crazy. And I was like, hey, guys, do you mind on Saturday if we like roll by the NBC studios and I can be like, hey let me in (laughs) i I used to work for blink and they're like yeah let's go let's roll by so we go down to nbc studios and there's like a hundred like screaming girls in the lobby of nbc studios and i'm like well i'm in the right place Uh, (laughs) i'm like okay so i was like i don't know like they're like what's your game plan i'm like i don't know i'm assuming they're gonna come in and i'm gonna be like wave to them through this team of like screaming teenagers and like maybe they're like yeah come with us i don't know if they don't whatever like it's fine but like i gotta give it a shot i'm here yeah so they come in and screaming teenagers and i was like hey and they're like hi what are you oh what are you doing here and they like as they're being like escorted and that's it and that's the end and i'm like oh well i, I mean i waved hi and then i saw rick devoe and i was like oh shit rick what's up man he's like hey what are you doing here i'm like oh i'm just in new york i'm like can you get me in? Like, is that a thing? Is this like a thing you can do? He's like, I'm out here right now. I can't even get myself in. I was like, oh shit. He's oh, like, yeah. Shit. They're like, it's like tight security. And I was like, fair enough. And he, and then he finally, of course, he gets in. And I'm I'm like, should I stick around? Do I have a shot? He's like, let me see what I can do. 
So I hang out and I'm talking to my friends. I'm there for like a half an hour just standing in the lobby. I'm like, nobody's coming back for me. This is like, I didn't plan for this. I just showed up and they're going to like let me in to Saturday yeah. Live. A page comes up and taps me on the shoulder and he's like, are you Rob Perlman? And I'm like, yes. He's like, come with me. And I was like, can I bring my five friends? And he's like, no. Uh, like, bye guys. Yeah, uh, I had no idea how I was going to get home. And he escorted me back into the green room of Saturday Night Live. And I'm sitting, like, backstage at Saturday Night Live. And I'm like, well, this is pretty fucking cool. Like, uh, the band comes in. And that was, like, really where I was, like, Mark came in. And he was just started dating Sky. And he introduced me to Sky. And we talked for a few minutes. And we're like, we're like so, what's new? He's like, yeah, we're famous. It's like, yep. <laughs> so, nothing else is new? <laughs> okay. It was really weird. It was like a weird conversation because, like, I don't know. I hadn't seen him in months. I lost contact, you know. Yeah. We weren't like buddies anymore. I feel like him dating Sky was like the end of my time. Like, he's like, okay, I don't need a friend anymore. I have a girlfriend. I'm like, okay, which happens in life, you know? Yeah, so, all the time. Uh, I'm backstage. I. I I'm hanging out backstage. This is, this is one of my favorite stories. I'm hanging out backstage. Uh, they go to do the show. Um, a page comes in and is like, does anybody want to sit in the crowd? Because like, they have the crowd that comes in, the audience, and then there's like the green room for like the guests of the band and the Jamie Foxx was the host. And I was like, yeah, me. Hell yeah. So I go sit in the crowd. They put me like the way back, and I watched all of Saturday Night Live from like the back row. I'm like, that was amazing. Saw the whole show. Yeah. Saw Blink play. They're letting everybody out, and I'm like, oh, my God, I need to go back in the green room. Like, are they going to believe that I'm supposed to be there? So I just walked back to the green room, and I was like, cool. And I was like, that was amazing. Like, what a moment to see their Saturday Live appearance. You know, I got to see Saturday Live in general is pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, so, like, they come back, and Rick DeVoe comes back, and he's like, oh, are you going to stay for the show? And I was like, what? He's like, are you staying for the show? I'm like, I just saw the show. He's like, you just saw dress rehearsal. And I was like, oh, are you oh, serious? shit. I didn't even know that was a thing. They had a whole separate audience they do for a dress rehearsal. And he's like, yeah, stay for the show. I was like, okay, I can? He's like, yeah. I'm like, all right. So I'm hanging out backstage. He's like, here, let me meet, let me meet, uh, here's Carson Daly. I'm like, oh, nice to meet you, Carson. And Carson Daly was the host of MTV TRL, was at like the height of his fame. Oh, yeah. He was like more famous than Blink at that point. Oh, yeah. And he was a huge Blink fan, and they were like buddies. So he was backstage hanging out. So I'm just like there with like, uh, I didn't know anybody. I'm like by myself. I'm talking to Rick because Rick's my buddy. I'm talking to Rick and then like talking to Carson a little bit. And I'm just kind of like, let me just shut up and not say anything because this is like a cool moment that I'm allowed to be a part of. So the show's about to start and a page comes in and is like, does anybody want to sit in the audience? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> let's do it. That was awesome because in the back room, you're just watching on TVs, right? Yeah. So this time they bring me front and center and I'm like right where they do the monologue. So they come out of the monologue like, like two feet away from me. I'm like the best seat in the house. I see the actual show, best scene in the house, live, everything. Amazing, right? Um, so I come back out, and the show's great. Go back to the green room, and I was like, Rick, I my, my last train is gone for the night. I don't know how to get back to my friends. I have no place to stay, and I'm a broke kid. Can I crash on your floor? And he's like, yeah. Oh, gosh. Of course. Come crash on my, my hotel floor. Like, no problem. I'm like, thanks, dude. I'm like, I think I asked him that before the dress rehearsal. I'm like, or before the show. I'm like, can I stay if I can crash on your floor? And he's like, yeah, of course. No problem. So we're back, we're, at, we're backstage after the show. Cast members are coming in. The band's in there. Everybody's, like, celebrating, drinking champagne. Great job. I was like, I got to use the bathroom. Rick, you're not leaving, right? He's like, no. I'm like, I'm gonna, I'll be right back. I'm going to go run to the bathroom. You're not leaving. He's like, no. I'm like, just from, don't forget. Like, you're my place to stay tonight. We don't have cell phones. We don't have internet. We're just, like, here in the world. 
go to the bathroom, come back. I look around the room. I was like, where's Mark? Where's Tom? Where's Travis? Where's Rick? I was like, what, what's going on? Did they have to like go do something promo? So I find it like an NBC page. I'm like, do you know where Blink went? Oh, they're like, oh yeah, they just left. I was like, left for where? And they're like, oh yeah, they just got ushered out. I was like, oh shit. It's like, uh... like 1.30 in the morning. I'm in New York City with no place to stay. Like hotels in New York City are ridiculously expensive to a 20-year-old kid. Yeah. And then I see Carson Daly. And I was like, well, this is going to be a good story someday. And I was like, hey, Carson Daly. <laughs> You just met me 20 minutes ago. I'm the guy that used to do Blink's website that you just met. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I was like, so I was supposed to stay on Rick DeVoe's floor tonight, and they just left, and I don't know where they're staying, and I'm a broke kid. Can I crash on your couch tonight? Oh, my God. And he's like, yeah, yeah, we can do that. I was like, okay. And he definitely was not into that idea at all, the <laughs> random kid. He's like, yeah. I'm like, I'm just gonna go sit over here in the corner and just like let me know like when you're ready to go. And then <laughs> two other dudes like walk up to me that were like in his crew and were like, hey man, you can't stay at, at Carson's house. And I'm like, but I asked him and he said I could crash on his couch. And they're like, yeah, that's not gonna work, man. I was oh like, my god. So I'm like, you know, I'm like here in New York. I don't live here. I don't like have any money. I don't have a way to get a hold of anybody. He's like, yeah. He's like, here's the name of the hotel. We got you the name of the hotel that Blink's at. And I'm like, I can't just open this up on Google Maps. I now yeah. have to like figure out how to get to this random hotel. It was the Soho Grand Hotel. I figure out how to negotiate the subway somehow. I ask somebody for directions. I'm like writing them on my hand. I take the subway to the Soho Grand. And I'm like, what's my plan when I get there? Like, A, did they go out and they're not going to be there? Or are they in their rooms? I have no idea what room they're in. So I show up to the Soho Grand. And I was like, hi, I'm looking for Rick DeVoe. Do you know his room number? And they're like, 212. And I'm like, why Why yeah, would you tell? That was easy. Yeah, why would you tell a random person that? I'm like, okay, that was easier than I thought. So I roll a couple flights of stairs, and I knock on the door, and no answer. I knock again, and I was like, okay, so they're not here. I'm like, they must have like gone out. I'll just sit in the lobby, and hopefully in the next five hours they will come back. So I'm like walking down the stairs and they start coming up the stairs and Rick's like, oh my God, dude, I'm so sorry. He's like, they rushed me out. We didn't have a choice. I'm so sorry, man. I was like, you were trying to dish me? You sure? He's like, no, man. Like it was terrible. I didn't know what to do. We had no way to get a hold of you. We didn't have a choice. They're like, where do you go? Let's go. I'm like, oh my God. Okay, well, I can still crash it. He's like, yeah. So I crashed on his floor, like literally on the floor. He gave me like a blanket, crashed on the floor. Next morning, oh, I think I slept like an hour. It was like, I can, I cannot sleep on a floor. Wake up early, they're going to the airport. We walk downstairs. I'm like, oh, cool. I get to, like, say hi to everybody, you know, outside of, like, the hustle and bustle of, like, a show. And so we come down, and Tom comes down. Oh, yeah, when I was coming into Santa Live, when they were, like, getting walked in, Tom sees me, and he's like, dude, you need to fix my computer. And I was like, okay, get me into Santa Live, and I will. So, like, <laughs> I see him the next morning, and he's like, dude, you still need to fix my computer. And I'm like, okay, where is it? And then Rick's like, we got to go. He's like, come in the van with us. We're going to go to the airport, fix my computer. I'm like, what the? I'm no. I'm cutting this adventure off right here. I'm not going from New York City to like some suburb airport <laughs> where you're just, where you're just gonna strand me, and then I have to get home from there to New York back to wherever I'm. No, I'm like I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, yeah. That was like my last moment. That was my last moment. I think that I ever saw Tom was him being like, "You gotta fix my computer." Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Yeah, what a fucking adventure. That was Jeez. like I just love in the moment. I was like, it's so insane to ask Carson Daly if I can crash on his couch. 
and I'm just going to, I'm going to tell the story one day, so I'm going to do it. And that's, yeah. and I'm like, I've told the story so many times because it's so well, stupid. And that's funny that he sent over like his yes. handlers to be like, yo, go, go tell that kid in the go corner. T- he, yeah. he, he's not crashing. I'm like, I'm like, I would do the that. same thing if I was Carson Daly. I'd be like, I don't want to tell this kid. He's friends with the band. Like yeah. you go tell him that you said it was your idea that they can't stay here. Yeah. T- tell him I'm busy. That's crazy, dude. It was okay. so funny. So you mentioned that's the last time you talked to Tom. Is that the last time you saw the guys? So I ran into Tom. I have a bunch of like near misses over the years. Uh, I lived in Vegas for a lot of years. And I saw, I don't know if it was, well, hold on. I saw Boxcar in San Diego. I saw that first show at Epicenter. Um, but again, like never talked to the guys. Just I saw some of the show and Boxcar was never really my thing. I was there more just for the novelty of being there to see the show. And Travis is sick, obviously. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't talk to Tom at that show. Um, I saw Angels, I think twice in Vegas. They played like there used to be these free shows in Vegas that, at the Hard Rock where they give out free booze and they'd have a, a big band come in and play at the pool. And I was like, cool. So Angels and Airways played. And I'm like, I'll go see Angels and Airways for free. Why not? Yeah. So I go to the show. And then after the show, I'm walking through the casino to go to the bathroom. And Tom's coming out of the bathroom, which is so absurd. Because there's like, there has to be backstage bathrooms. And he's just walking out of like the normal, like on the <laughs> casino floor bathroom. And I'm like, huh. I'm like, what's up, Tom? And he's like, what's up, Rob? And then like, that was it. That was it. And it was like. Because he was coming out of the bathroom and I was going in, and I didn't want to stop him any longer than possible because he's going to get mobbed. Yeah. In, like, I don't know what he was doing using the bathroom in there. And I'm like, I, I, I was like, I did not expect it. I'm like, oh, hi, I guess. Why are you Why are you here? Like, surely there's a backstage bathroom somewhere. <laughs> so that was, that, was, that was the last time I saw Tom. Wow. I was like, hey. And he's like, hey. I'm like, all right. So what about what about Mark and Travis? Mark, I have not seen since the Saturday Night Live show is probably the last time I ever talked to Mark. Wow. I never saw Plus 44 shows. Uh, oh, wait, that's not true. I'm sorry. That can't be true. I did. Um, so when 9-11 happened, some 41 was opening up for Blink and they had to cancel a few shows. And then when they rescheduled it a couple months later, some 41 was like, we're not coming back into the United States. We're going to stay in Canada. Thanks. And so Midtown uh, opened up the show, and that was the first time I got taken on tour paid. Midtown was like, hey, do you want to come roadie for us on these shows? So we opened up for Blink-182 on these three shows, and that was the first time I like saw Blink with like production. And I'm like, what am I looking at right now? What is this? Yeah. This is not Blink. This is a whole – that's when I was like, what is happening? Like – Blink on Saturday Live, I've rewatched that footage. They still sound like shit. You know, they're that still that little three piece band. But then fast forward a year and they're on like a tour with like pyrotechnics and I don't know if they had a rotating drum riser and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. that was when it was like, what is going on right now? Like, why is there fire happening on stage that I can feel <laughs> from the side of stage? Yeah, so, it's a production. It really is. I'm sure I talked to Mark at some point on those three shows, um, because I was backstage with the band, but I don't Nothing, nothing that I remember. I just, I remember that Saturday Live being like the last real conversation, and it was like super awkward. <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, okay, yeah, have fun being famous, man." Any, uh, any last things with Travis or no? Lots of things with Travis. Uh, after Travis and I squashed our beef, he became the coolest dude in the world. Um, so later on in '03, I was on tour with Yellow Card, and we had a. We had three days in a row where we were on the same day as the Foo Fighters and when Transplants was opening up. And 
uh, Ryan, the singer of Yellow Card, was a huge Foo Fighters fan. I was like, if you want to go to the show, like you're on Capitol Records, I think we can make this happen. So I made some calls and I got us all on the list for this Foo Fighters show. So we get to the Foo Fighters show and I'm I'm full of bravado. I'm like, let's go backstage. And they're like, how? I'm like, I don't know. We're on Capitol Records. Let's just walk backstage. Let's make it happen. So we go backstage. We somehow I I, I scam us into like meeting Dave Grohl and like Yellow Card super stoked. It's like their idol. So we meet Dave Grohl. And then I run into Travis, and he's like, "What are you doing here?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm here with Yellow Car, blah, blah blah." He's like, "Oh, dude." He's like, "Come back on the bus. Like, I want you to meet Tim." And I have always been an Operation Ivy and Rancid fan. I'm like, "Okay." So Travis like brings me on the bus, and I go to the back, and Tim Armstrong is sitting in the back in his studio. He just broken up with his girlfriend or wife. He woke up with his wife and was like writing all these songs, and. I sat there, Travis was like, went left to warm up, and he left me with Tim Armstrong one-on-one for an hour and a half, and Tim just told me stories about touring with Operation Ivy, and he just needed somebody to listen, and I just sat there and was like, okay, I'm I like, will listen for I'll sit here and listen to your stories, man, like, I, I'm a huge <laughs> Rancid fan growing up, so we went three days in a row, Travis took care of us, and like, I was backstage three days in a row, seeing the transplants, and seeing wow. the food and we just had this like, surreal experience, and Travis was like, the biggest sweetheart ever to me. And then living in Vegas, I saw DJ AM and him perform once before DJ AM uh, passed away. Oh, um, sick. I, I, I didn't have, I didn't talk to Travis. I never got to like see Travis in any of these times because he was like such a superstar. I, yeah. I saw him perform with DJ AM. I saw him perform again randomly at like some random DJ club. This is like right when he was starting his whole DJ career, you know, playing with DJs. He played with some random DJ and I scanned my way into that show um and then i saw him i was friend i'm friends with their sound guy the sound they're like one of their major sound guys i hired for yellow card way back in the day he got us backstage when he did that tour with yellow wolf and on new year's eve in vegas so i got to sit on the side of the stage at the soundboard and watch travis just slay and i was like cool i'm here with the sound guy like surely i'll be able to say hi to travis nope travis (laughs) is just in and out with his fucking security never got to say hi um i saw that and then I saw Travis since moving to Austin uh, last year. He played last year at like an after show thing. He played like a drum thing, but he kind of phoned it in. It was really weird. <laughs> and like, I was leaving the show and then he was leaving the show and I saw him. But like, again, I was like, hey, Travis, remember me? Remember me? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I've learned a little bit. That's dumb. But, you know. It's funny, man. That's crazy. So, did you? I mean, uh, did you enjoy Enema and Takeoff, and then what ended up, you know, Untitled? Did you like those albums, or did you never really end up caring too much for Blink? Enema, Enema's great, man. Enema's a great record. I love Enema. It might. It. I know you talked about it with Davey. You started. You started ranking albums. I have such a hard time time doing that because I'm. I'm more of like a. I had the record back then, but at this point in my life, it's just like, what tracks do I still have on my playlist? I just like have like an iTunes playlist and some things of every time I get sick of a song, I delete it or if it stays on there. So I have just tracks now. I probably yeah. have like three or four tracks from every Blink record, you know, not yeah. Cheshire Cat. That's not a real record. Um, <laughs> but all the other ones, you know, Don't obviously Dude Ranch, Dude Ranch is special to me because I was like, you know, that's when I started working for them. NMO was kind of special to me. That's when I like saw their exit. But like Take Off Your Pants and Jackets, a great record. Self-Titled is a good record. Great record. I don't know. Grid, great. There's tracks on every single one that I think... I mean, I still think the stuff they're making now is great. Like, yeah. everything, you know, it's not my favorite... They're not my favorite band. They've never been. But there's tracks that I like, and they're still writing good songs. Yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah, that's 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 pretty wild. Um, 
Yeah, I want to get into, I have some rapid fire stuff looking back. We're getting close to two hours, man. I appreciate your time. This was this was great. Always happy, always happy to reminisce, man. Yeah. By the way, did you ever see them uh, breaking up? Did that surprise you when you heard that? Um, not at all. Uh, did not surprise me at all. I definitely, that turmoil, I always somehow knew about. Um, the Tom Mark stuff. And then, oh yeah, we saw. I forgot about that. We were in Vegas and we saw that first show back, um, the first show where they played back when they got back together after. I think that was after Travis's plane crash, right? Like in two thousand nine, like the reunion you saw them. Yeah, um, yeah, two thousand nine. Yeah, so we saw them. Uh, my friends in San Diego were like, "Hey, we're gonna drive up for this reunion show. You live in Vegas, you wanna go?" I'm like, "Yeah." And we went to that first night, and then we ran into Carrie, uh, Tom's little sister. And she knew my friends more than me. And she's like, oh, do you guys want to come tomorrow? We got to go see both nights. Um, but I remember my good buddy Brad, we were sitting there. We've seen Blink a million times together. We're watching them on stage, and they're doing their Blink banter. And we're like, it's not the same, man. Like, they don't like each other still. Like, early, <laughs> in, the, in the early days, it was always jokey banter back and forth. And they generally liked each other and had fun. And they lost it at some point. And we, when they got back together... It was not. It, you, we could tell. We were like, it's not the same, man. They still don't like each other. What and do like, you think that? What do you think the reasoning for that was? Just what, ego, fame, just. From know, what I understand, it was a difference in opinions on touring. Um, and I don't want to say as much as I've heard because I don't want to give some gossip. But um, yeah, some parties wanted to tour more, and some parties wanted to tour less, and that was like the big friction in the band that I remember. Yeah, um, it was like some people wanted to like have a balance and have a home life, uh, but I I could be wrong. I mean, this is a lot of years since I've heard these rumors flying around, but yeah, you know, it's hard. To, it's hard to be in a band with other human beings, man. It's hard to be in a relationship with one person and here, you know, you've got three people and that's like a bunch of different ways, and then you've got your manager and there's different ways. It's it's so hard, man. Like I'm impressed by bands like Jimmy Eat World that it's the same four dudes for the entire life of their band. I don't know how they've done it. Yeah, it's it's virtually impossible. Uh, yeah, I think Mark, I mean, Mark explains it pretty well. It's like, you know, think back to who your best friend in high school was or middle school. And Mark then, Hoppus. <laughs> yeah, for anybody other than you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, when you think about that, I mean, I have several like best friends from middle school and high school. And then all these years pass, like I don't talk to them anymore. Or you just grow apart or you start right. families and you get married and stuff like that. And you just grow apart and you become different people and uh yeah it, it can be sad when you reminisce on it and i couldn't imagine what it turns into when you start throwing in money and commitments and you know um they work so hard to build this up uh and then you've got three different opinions and three different sets of managers and ideas of how it should work it's just it's crazy but yeah um needless to say I'm, i mean blink is here with skiba thankfully filling in i'm stoked i know a ton of the fan base is stoked obviously a lot of people miss tom or you know uh, miss his influence in blink but i think everything is in a pretty cool place right now so uh i'm happy other than i love skiba too i think skiba is great um I don't like I, I well that's not true. I haven't seen him live yet and I've only seen a video when he first joined the band and I was just seeing how he was singing Tom songs and I was like, no, I don't like this at all. I like the new stuff they're putting out. I don't like him singing Tom stuff. Back when I heard that they were gonna like get a new singer, I remember there was like a good rumor mill in San Diego. We knew that they were gonna like get a different singer. I was like I was like, I have the guy. They should get Tom from Gob. I don't know if you know Tom from Gob. He was the no, singer of Gob and then he uh 
frontman, guitar player, and singer, and then he joined Sum 41 as second guitar player or lead guitar player, and I think he still is in Sum 41 again or whatever, and he sings, and he's got a nasally voice, and his name is Tom, and I'm like, what a perfect fit. <laughs> like, he would have been, I would have loved to see an alternate timeline where they, I, I wish, I know they took Matt, uh, uh, I, know they took, I know they took Skiba because they were friends with him. And they like they know they knew they could work together, and I respect that. You're adults, and you want to have somebody that you're friends with, and you get along with, and you like have things in common. But I feel like they missed the mark on hiring somebody that could have like filled the Tom role a little bit better. You know, um, I feel like Tom from God would have been so amazing. I was just joking, I'm like his name's Tom. He wears a backwards hat. He's got a lip ring. He plays guitar. He sings. Maybe it was too close. That'd be weird. Replacing Tom with Tom. Tom. Who who would have thought? Okay. But you know, there's people, that, there's people that don't even know that Skiba's like not Tom. You know, oh yeah, I mean, so, on the on Blink One Eighty Two online, I mean, I run the Instagram and the Twitter, and it's funny, like it shows. You know, I'll look through like tagged photos, or I'll see like people who who uh, have hashtagged Blink One Eighty Two, and I'll see pictures of people at shows, and they're like, that they'll tag Tom uh, as Skiba, or like, yeah. you know, finally got to see Tom and Mark and Travis, <laughs> and I'm like, no, you didn't, no, you didn't, lady. <laughs> my dream, but, my dream is one day that there's turmoil in Blink One Eighty Two. And Skiba and Travis decide that they are going to kick Mark out of the band. Oh, and Mark, Tom, and Scott start a Blink-182 cover band. That's my that, dream. People have talked about that like in alternate realities. Like Tom could get together with Scott right now and have right. Blink-182. We could have two Blink-182s going right now, probably from a legal perspective. No, I'm sure they have the rights. That, well, uh, that'd be interesting. That'd be interesting. That'd be interesting. I want. I just want Mark to get kicked out so you can get them to be all like, we all get kicked out of the band. Let's all start a new <laughs> band. And then like they'd be bigger than Blink. My my dream is that a Hall of Fame, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction, right. they're all there and they play some songs with Scott. Finally, they play Damn It. They play M&Ms. He passes over the sticks to Travis. They come in yeah. and play some Enema, Take Off untitled uh maybe slip in a neighborhood song and then tom hands over his guitar to skiva and they play some of the newer stuff and it's just a nice celebration of right. blink for all these years so uh, i wonder i wonder what's happened after all these years because like it seems like mark and tom are inching closer to like patching things up as best they could again yeah. before it happens a third time um but like yeah. i don't know if they've ever tried to reach out to scott how that's gone i have to imagine as human beings going through life, Mark and Tom have been like, man, I just want to call Scott and just say hi and be like, are you good? You know, like yeah. you would think, feel, they all got to feel bad about the situation. Yeah. Mark said, Mark, he, he's been asked about it several times and he said that he hasn't talked to him in a long time. And at one point he answered like too long. So I think he probably knows like deep down he would, you know, have a convo with him. I'm sure he doesn't wish him ill will or anything right. like that, but, uh, I certainly don't think there would be anywhere close to saying like, "Hey, come play with us tomorrow." <laughs> oh yeah, and Scott wouldn't want to. So, uh, well, I mean, I feel like Scott would be in a position too. Like, you after so many years go by, it's like, are you gonna really harp on it and be angry for something that happened twenty, twenty five years ago, and just be like, you got to move on, and you're gonna be a pretty miserable person if you're like angry about what happened. You know, yeah. I would hope that everybody would be like, "Yeah, this happened. It sucked. Let's." You know, whatever, it's fine. He needs to write a fucking book or something. Like people want to hear from Scott, and we yeah. can't ever hear from so, him. Like, he doesn't like to. Yeah, I mean, even when he was in the band, he didn't like to talk. He didn't. He didn't yeah. like to do the interviews. You know, he just wants to play. Uh, you know, play his drums, and that's it. Like, you yeah. know, and like to like what Davey was saying. I don't think that I. I never got the feeling that Scott didn't want to like 
be famous. I really don't feel like that was it. I feel like, I don't know. I don't know what exactly was the thing that made it go, but I feel like Scott really wanted to like make it work. And yeah. I don't know why. I don't know why it went went as it did. Yeah, we may never know. All right, man. Well, I'm going to hit you with a couple rapid fire questions and we'll get you out of here. Um, are you ready? No. Uh, oh, you don't shit. have much of a choice. Okay. Uh, tag in. <laughs> okay. Favorite memory looking back all these years later? I mean, those two stories I told, the like the Mesa, Arizona with the bass coming flying in my head and getting into Saturday Night Live are the two stories I've been telling for 20 years. Anytime somebody's like, oh, you work for Blink? Tell me a story. The one on the stage with the bass, now that there's a video that to prove it, is like probably my favorite. Just because I can yeah. be like, and watch this video, and this is where it happens. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And de- yeah, definitely send me that because we're gonna post that whenever I kind of promote our conversation. That's awesome. And, and like, and thanks to the board for like pointing that 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 existed. I don't know how, and I'd love to find who did that and be like, thank you for filming. Yeah that whole show and not enjoying it like yeah I'm, and i'm so glad you stumbled upon the site i don't know if it was through reddit or yeah what. it was through reddit okay it started to go, what, what was my impetus i uh oh that's right i was like i was at the san diego library i used to just go to the library by my house and just see what was going on and i found the book uh, one of the book what was the book like the tales from beneath your mom or yeah. like the, the schumann yeah. one was that Anne's book, Tales from Beneath Your Mom? Aunt, yeah, that's Anne's. Yeah, so I stayed friendly with Anne for like a lot of years, and I'm like, I should read her book. So I checked it out of the library, and I read it, and it made me get all nostalgic, and I posted on Reddit, and was like, oh, I did Blink's website. Like, here's a couple stories, and people were super stoked. I'm like, dude, go on the blo- go on the forum. And then I was like, oh, yeah. my gosh, there's a bunch of people here. Yeah, yeah I'm not very right. active, but, I'm, but it's cool, and like, I love that timeline. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's talking about the there's a comprehensive timeline I've mentioned before, but several members of the board, I mean, go way above and beyond to keep like an entire history book of every show, every poster, all this good stuff. Uh, So shout out, shout out like Box Elder yourself, uh, Tib out, uh, Davey. There's tons of people who have contributed to it over the years. It's, It's really rad. It's so nice when you're like talking about something 20 years ago and you're like, where was that show? And you're like, oh, let me just look it up right yeah. there. Like Boom. not a lot of bands have that kind of a like in-depth history. No, they really don't. Uh, and, and that's part of what I love so much about like the Blink fan base and uh, the community, the sense of community and just everybody's so rad and ha- doing rad shit. And I love the collectible aspect. I love the history aspect. So that's I mean, that's why I have a fucking it's, podcast. It's funny that 23 years later, we're back on chat rooms after I, I brought that to the forefront. You know, I yeah. pioneered the uh, Blink-22 chat and here it's coming back 23 years later. Yeah, it's back. <laughs> that's crazy. All right. Uh, you mentioned to me before that you don't keep too much stuff but what's your favorite piece of like memorabilia or like a do you have like a really dope blink collectible or anything from your days working with them nothing hard and the, i'm actually actually talking to dave because i'm going through my pictures i have a picture backstage with mark and dave's in the corner of the picture i think i took the picture and i was like i don't have any fucking pictures with blink like you just never thought to like break out an actual camera and be like, take a picture of us. So I don't have any like pictures with any of the bands that I worked with, which is such a sad thing, but I have a dude ranch demo tape that nobody knows even exists. Mm. So that has to be like, even though it's digital now, that's like for sure. That's the best thing by far. I probably have some seven inches sitting at my mom's house too. I don't know. I probably like the short bus seven inch. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's a big time. That's a that's a hot item, man. You don't see those too often. I have one, thankfully, but 
Yeah. Uh, who would have thought? I had, I had everything at one point, but I was like, ah, fly swatter. What do I need that yeah. for now? <laughs> who needs that? Buddha no, even, even back then, we knew it was rare. I mean, when I scanned it from his mom, I was like, here, have your copy back. You know, we knew yeah. it was rare then. That's awesome. Um, the, I'm curious on this one, man. Like, what would you say to the guys now if you had a chance to, you know, get a hold of them or say what up? What's up? Yeah, I have no idea. Um, I try to get in touch with Tom actually. Uh, so I moved back to San Diego like four years ago, and I was like, I'm gonna stop by to the stars and like see if I can catch him. And I chatted with the guy at the front for a while. I told him my history and left a note and left my business card. I was like, Hey, Tom, if you want to grab a coffee, you know, this is like right when he first came out of being like all about aliens and the Joe Rogan thing, and I was like is he crazy? Is he not crazy? I don't know what's going on. I would just love to have a cup of coffee and just chat about like what is going on in his world. And there was like a few near misses, but I never got to like talk to him. I'm more like Mark. I would love to chat with just because we were so close, but like, I feel like I want to talk to Tom and just like, see what's going on with Tom. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's been busy. He, I mean, he, he got the, uh, U S government to admit that there's shit flying in the air that we don't know what it is. It's like, (laughs) is he crazy or is he not crazy? I don't think he's crazy. No. I listened to Joe Rogan and I was like, oh, he's crazy. He's gone crazy. And then now I'm like, maybe he's not crazy. Maybe he's not crazy. I don't think he's crazy. I don't know if he communicates it as well as maybe he should at times. Uh, because right. the, I mean, as soon as he gets something in his head, dude, it's just bam, bam, bam. And it's just like pedal to the metal. And yeah. it's just off in that direction. And I think sometimes that gets him in trouble because he can't properly explain it all or he can't reveal what's all what all is going on. And I was actually surprised that Rogan, because, I mean, I don't listen to Rogan a ton, but when I do, I just listened to a couple last week when he has guests that I'm interested in. And Rogan goes down rabbit holes of weird fucking UFO shit and stuff right. like that. And, he, and so I was actually surprised that conversation went as bad as it did. But uh, I don't it's know. It's weird. Some of the stuff he said on that podcast made him sound really, really out there. Yeah. And, and Tom doesn't do himself any favors when, you know, a lot of times people ask him something and he's like, well, I can't, I can't yeah, say. Yeah, I know. That's, that's I what can't. made him look so bad on that, on that episode. Yeah. 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 Okay. And, Every time you get somewhere, he's like, I can't tell you that. Yeah. I can't tell you that. I can't tell you that. And so, I mean, I, it sucks if he really does know stuff, which I think he probably does. Um, but when you can't say anything and that's your only answer you can come back with. Uh, but like, why are you going on Joe Rogan to talk about this stuff? If you can't yeah. talk about it, it's like, it's not a good, I would be like, I know stuff and I'm just, don't worry. I'm going to put some stuff out. That's yeah. it. Like, and stop making media appearances. He did say, I saw a couple of weeks ago, somebody was asking him about it. And he, Tom came out and said that he wasn't like as prepared to talk for that long as he thought it was going to be or something right. like that. So he's, he's definitely aware that it didn't yeah. make him look super good but uh i mean uh, tom, just, tom knows his place he knows he's just, he's like you know basically played the fool for so long of his life it's hard to like make that 180 jump to like serious guy talking about serious subjects and you know his demeanor even then even when he's talking he's like joking around yeah you know, yeah it's it's weird but i i mean i hope he's doing good i i know i think him and his wife split up or maybe they didn't i don't know what's going on with that i just hope everybody's i want everybody to be happy man yeah that's how i am Okay, so uh, let's see. Oh, this is the last one. So, I mean, what do you? What did you end up doing? Like, what do you do now? And do you have any advice for people? Like, I think you're in the entertainment industry. Um, do you have any advice for people who want to do the type of thing you do? Well, now the only thing I do is shelter in place. So I'm not really doing anything. I'm <laughs> I moved to Austin last year on a whim, and because it's such a good live music town, so I'm kind of out of everything. Um, I, I did music for a while, and then I I worked in TV for a long time. Um, yeah, I mean, the best advice, 
like I, I say my regrets are not pushing things hard enough, like trying to get a Blink 7-inch and trying to go on tour with Blink. But, like, look at what I did get just by asking for it, you know? And, like, yeah. the way I got on tour was every band that came to San Diego, I'd go to the show and I'd say, hey, do you guys need a merch guy? Do you need a roadie? And they're like, no. I'm like, well, here's my number. If you do, I'm ready to go out. And I kept asking bands. And guess what? Finally, somebody's like, we do need this person. And then I went out on tour. And so I made a career out of touring by like just being annoying and just asking people over and over again. Like that's kind of how you break in in the music industry. If you're a band, you know, that's this is the secret of getting on tour. If you're like a mid mid-level band, don't be a good band. Be fun to hang out with. If you go and hang out with a band, Homegrown was always on Blink shows because they loved hanging out with the guys, and so they would always open up the shows. I mean, I'm, they're they're a good band, but like they're like we love these guys; they're hilarious. Let's have them on the show. Let's have them on the tour. That's how you get on bigger tours is by being nice, fun people. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. All right, man. I really enjoyed this. I don't have anything else to go over, man. I have one more thing to talk about. Okay, what do, what do you got? So. One, I have a lot of projects that I think of in my head, and I I never do because I'm kind of a perfectionist, so if I can't do it perfect, I don't do it. Yeah. But one thing I'm trying to do right now, it's been in my brain for about 10 years now because people always ask me, they come to San Diego, they want to sit a sombrero, like you said, they want to see the Soma, and everybody's like, where do I go? What do I do? And I said, you know what would be cool if I made a video showing all of these stops and basically mapping out a Blink tour that you can do if you come to San Diego and L.A. So I shot all the footage a couple years ago, and I lived in San Diego, and I'm finally going to get off my ass and edit it down and have a nice, like, 10-minute video showing you all the locations, showing you a map, walking you through where to go to see all the Blink stuff in SoCal. So that's awesome. If I can get off my ass and do it it's going to be out soon i was hoping to have it done by the time we got live it's not even close to done so maybe <laughs> it, it'll be close to done when you put it out yeah yeah but yeah follow me on instagram and i'm going to drop that at some point between now and the end of my life yeah and what's your instagram again is it at v rob no, it is don't call rob is instagram okay at don't call rob on instagram yeah. yeah and i'll tag you whenever we promote the stuff but yeah that'll be rad dude because it's i've had it one for so long and like I, I have footage inside the bathroom at sombrero showing you the wall and like i'm gonna voice over narrate it and explain because like a lot of people you've heard about it but you're a super fan there's people that don't know and like yeah. are mid-level fans and want to like see it and, you know i'm gonna show you here's soma here's where they shot m&ms cut to like the actual footage here's where they did what's my age again you know i went to la i went to the damn it uh, movie theater and showed the inside of the theater i got some really cool footage i just need to like sit down and edit it yeah that's awesome yeah totally looking forward to that and we will 100 percent share that whenever you get it out so cool definitely let me know yeah in the meantime if you happen to come across any rad pictures or uh, anything you want us to share to kind of promote with this talk man i'd love to see it that, that's awesome you got it man pleasure cool. thanks for having me yeah no problem all right ladies and gentlemen that was special guest rob perlman former webmaster, master uh, the master <laughs> of blink 182 i'm gonna i'm gonna stop this recording here but i'm not gonna hang up on you so i appreciate no your time